This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world, hosted by Christian Blatt. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blattcast. So excited to welcome back to the show the one, the only, Jeff Williams Jr. Jeff, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invite to see the movie. It was great to hang out and catch up and also see a great great movie at the same time. This is for those of you who have seen the Marvels. This is not a spoiler-free conversation. Let's uh, talk a little bit about kind of expectations heading into this movie. Uh, I think anytime an MCU movie comes out right now, Variety seems to find an excuse to talk about uh, all the problems that Marvel's having. Uh, you have people who, I, I don't know, I think largely unfairly judged some of the trailers. And there was the expectation, I think, that a lot of people had that, uh, oh, this movie's not going to be very good. I didn't feel that way. I'm like, I think this movie's going to be fun. I'm not looking for anything crazy out of it. I just want to have some fun. What were your thoughts uh, before the movie? And maybe even did it change in the weeks leading up to it? Did you start to get nervous? What did you think, Jeff? I never got nervous because I, just like you, I was like, I'm just going to have fun with the movie. I have no high expectations. I did not enjoy the first one, but I enjoyed the two additions that were coming into the second one, Tiana Parrish and Amanda Bellani, like I, I really enjoyed both their um, characters in both their respective TV shows. And I was excited to see them be in the film as well. And crazy enough, both their characters helped me love Brie Larson as well. It was my biggest takeaway. You know, it's sort of, she came off in the Captain Marvel movie as uh, very cold. I think her appearance in the Avengers, you know, in Endgame, I think went a long way. You know, we got to see her interact with some people, but she comes off very likable in this because she just kind of has to be, you know, and I think they do a good job uh, at the beginning of this movie, setting up the fact that, you know, she usually does work alone and she spends a lot of time by herself. And she even says that it's it's nice to have people around, you know, it's just. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a learning curve, I guess, for for Carol Danvers. And I think having, you know, having her share the screen with the two of them uh, definitely brought the best out of her. And uh, how did you feel about the about the Ms. Marvel show? Uh, You know, because that was when we got to meet Amon Vellani as uh, Kamala Khan and, uh, you know, really setting up her supporting cast, her family, who we see a lot of in this movie. I enjoyed it because I'm used to the CW superhero kind of um, popcornish, kind of corny, but also kind of high, like stuck in their high school ways. That's what this was, but in the best way possible. And I love that kind of jumping into the film. I love how they brought touches and kind of pulled touches and the best themes from the TV show into the movie. So you can really see um, the style and the feel of what her TV show is. And hopefully that just draws more people back to her TV show because it wasn't given that much love when it actually came out. They even put it in like a ABC on Disney, like on the actual networks um, for a little bit of real, a little run, trying to get some more yeah. um, publicity. But still, it, it just never got the as much love as it should. And I hope now, like especially with her role towards the end, that she'll get the love that she deserves. I talked to uh, enough people about, well, all these shows, but that one in particular, 
there there were a, a, you know adults who felt a little put off by sort of the high school spin on it it was a it was a knock that i think people had on the hulu had the show runaways and there was also cloak and dagger on freeform you know some people had had some trouble with but it's like if you watch it and i felt like i really liked kamala khan i like i found her backstory to be interesting and uh, I think it translated very well into here. Getting to know Monica Rambo in WandaVision, I think, helps a lot. But also, we clearly miss a few steps. There's stuff they didn't show us between that, you know, because it's like everybody she works with is like, oh, boy, if we only knew somebody that had superpowers, you know, and she knows how to use them. Mm-hmm. She still doesn't have a code name, which is kind of a funny running bit. But she she certainly knows how to use her powers for the most part, but not enough where she knew whether or not she could fly. You know, I thought it was, it was kind of interesting, you know, that Kamala is actually far more seasoned uh, in using a lot of her powers because she saved Jersey city. You know, I agree. It's like, if you're hanging out with, with um, Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury, and you're out there in space, you're not testing out your powers. You're not already planning this, but in the, at the beginning in her defense, she was like kind of using the buttons to push herself towards the um towards the wall to like touch her hands so she never did fly in the beginning so even from the beginning she never knew how to but i'm like i assume that was like from from the from the start but i guess not what i'll be interested in if i run into anyone that didn't watch either of these series and do you feel completely lost sitting in here because i I'm familiar with the characters, obviously familiar with them before they were even on screen, but I felt like they did a decent enough job introducing them, giving you a backstory. You know, there's flashbacks reminding you that, hey, remember Maria's little girl in the first Captain Marvel? This is her. So it's almost like I think they do enough you know, to mm-hmm. tell us, uh, was it something that, that you thought about when you were watching it, Jeff, whether or not like, Oh, I wonder if people are going to be lost. Cause I feel like they go out of their way with the TV shows to make it so that, well, we want you to watch them, but if you don't, you're probably going to figure it out. I feel like dude, they just figured it out, especially with Miss Marvel. She was really the start of the, of the uh, film and the heart of the film. So if you loved her, if you loved her family dynamic, you're just going to want to go see the film. They pretty much explained how she got the powers. They She kept saying, my grandmother gave me these. So yeah. it, like, it was a quick way of showing how she became who she was in a funny, lighthearted way and then moving on and not having to like dig too deep into it. But if people want to, because they love the family dynamic, now they can kind of see what that means. So for her specifically, I think they did a great job. For Tiana Parrish, I think, I mean, I think it did well. Um, the the Wix Hex was like, it, it was a funny joke, but also like, if you don't know what that is, you think she's like, is she joking? Is she serious? What is she talking? Like, it's kind of confusing. I wish they did a little bit more on that side, but also, I mean, I think they could have did better for, for Tiana Parrish, for sure. I, I don't know. I think they do a good job sort of bringing it together. And we know from WandaVision that Monica has issues with Carol. They get to it early enough in the movie. You know, they don't they let it hang over for a little bit, but then they they do need to have it out. And I think it's uh, it's interesting because one of the complaints of uh, someone who may even live in the same house as I do was that they felt like 
Carol didn't come off human enough in the first Captain Marvel. And uh, we, they, it, it's almost as though, and that's what I said to my wife after I got home. I was like, it's like they got your notes. They knew how to humanize her. They knew how to make her come across more likable, surround her with likable other characters. But the fact that she has this tremendous power, arguably at least one of the three most powerful beings in the MCU, you know, her and Wanda right up there. And, uh, you know, I guess Thanos with the, with the gauntlet. Mm -hmm. But I think that the fact that she felt like she made a mistake and she had spent 30 years trying to make up for it, you know, I think it makes her relatable in the sense of, yeah, for all that power, well, as as Uncle Ben told us, uh, comes great responsibility, but also there's accountability. It's like, it doesn't matter that you have all that power, you know, you, you're, she still feels it. it. It it makes her, in a sense, more relatable, but you can sympathize with her. And, and I feel like that was missing from the first Captain Marvel. And honestly, she's not the star of Endgame, you know? I mean, so yeah. she just shows up a few times. Did any of that come across uh, for you, especially considering that earlier, Jeff, you said you uh, weren't particularly fond of the first Captain Marvel? I totally agree with, with your family member that said that they just weren't interested and they didn't understand why we we're supposed to care about Captain Marvel. And that's how I felt. I was like, we're just given this superhero, told that she's super powerful, not really given a backstory, just supposed to kind of guess and learn pieces of it. And that's it. I didn't think it humanized her at all, but that's what this film was. That's what this film exceeded in. And you mentioned with Tiana Parrish and Iman being like two likable people being on there. And then like seeing that she made a mistake with um, taking the AI and destroying the AI and trying to rebuild that for 30 years. Another thing that humanized her is being married to Prince Jan and doing that just as like a, a friendship thing because he needed he needed help in that sense. And being able to just deal with that family, uh, be lighthearted and like play, uh, sing a song just to talk with their with the people and dance and everything like that. I thought that was really funny. And like it just really brought her down to like a human and in, in a sense to like she can joke and just do the normal things and be a friend to somebody nothing uh humanizes a character more than uh, watching them uh forced to sing you know and i love her initial explanation is like i helped him out with a legal problem and then it's like oh wait you're married to him and like well you know <laughs> we're we're really good friends and uh <laughs> that was a lot of fun to watch i was thinking about it and i was even saying to you after we watched the movie jeff i'm not as hard on some of the movies you and i were you, you and i saw eternals together mm -hmm. and i think that there's some decisions that were made that made it um a less accessible movie too many characters too wide a scope but you know it, it, a story that would have been better served over multiple movies but they knew that they had to kind of tell it in one you can look at it in phases but really from a movie going public we kind of look at it as like post end game you know so starting with black widow and going from there and you know i think in general there's something i liked about all of them and for the most part i've i've at least enjoyed them you know upon initial viewing some of them i haven't gone back to uh you know but i think that uh, a lot of people we have uh, uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, 
we have Ant-Man and Quantumania. Those are two of the most divisive. Oh, and let's not forget Thor, Love and Thunder. People tend to be mixed. I think Guardians 3, for the most part, people liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, people really liked. But for like basically all the other ones after Endgame, it's a lot of you know kind of mixed reviews. And for me, I think if I'm looking at everything that came out after Endgame, you know, I'm not ranking them per se, but I'm putting this basically as like a top three with Spider-Man No Way Home and Guardians in terms of the post Endgame. So you said top three and is this Guardians and what else? Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. That's the one, you know, the one with uh, Toby and Andrew Garfield, you know. If I'm if I'm actually quantifying it, that's probably for me at least my favorite, you know, of the post Endgame movies, because it was just so fun and mind blowing and you know all those ways. But I mean, this is way up there, and I think that the key is that it's fun. It has pretty high stakes. You've got somebody that's trying to you know basically extinguish our son. It is part of the problem that you know we built up to Thanos and. So we're supposed to feel like other villains are equal threats. And look, whatever we get from Kang and, you know, dealing with time, I I feel like that will feel like a comparable threat. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just have to look at this differently, you know, uh, in, in terms of that. But I found the movie to be fun. I think that it had a good balance of humor, clearly putting Kamala Khan the uh, the Amon Vellani version of it, but honestly, any of the Kamala Khan Ms. Marvels would have lightened the mood. I think it was a good choice. You know, I mean, I, I think it's a safe bet to say, Jeff, that it's 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 more fun than a, a lot of what we've gotten recently. Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think you tweeted it, um, maybe, or at least you told me you were smiling throughout majority yeah. of the film. And and I totally agree. Like I, it was it was just fun um, throughout the whole film. It had great heart. It had all the the great um, comedy that Miss um, Marvel had in her TV show with the family. And it just grew with Samuel L. Jackson, Tiana Parrish, and Brie Larson. They all like got into it and just added more to it. And it was Samuel L. Jackson as we love to see him. It wasn't the Secret Invasion oh. on the way to death type of Samuel Jackson. He was back cussing. He was shooting people, and he was um, leading the uh, leading the Avengers or the Marvels. So it was it was back to what we like to see, and it was fun. We talked about both Ms. Marvel and WandaVision. It's very important to note that uh, there is absolutely no requirement to have seen Secret Invasion before you see this show. And the scrolls factor in in the early part of this movie very heavily. There's not even a reference. There's nothing. That is uh, some of, if not the most disappointing MCU content that uh, we've gotten. Very disappointed in that. And, you know, Nick Fury didn't feel like Nick Fury in that. You know, it was uh, this, like you're saying, this is return to form. This is Nick Fury that we love. It's almost like whatever came down from space for Secret Invasion, that wasn't really him, <laughs> you know? It's crazy how many A-list actors they brought in for such yeah. a not not good show. Like, the story was just not there. And the, the yeah, it was just not good all around. No, and, and it also felt like production-wise, they cut some corners, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. the product on screen. And 
really prior to that, the Disney Plus shows usually like looked great. You never felt like they were cheaping out. Like I was really impressed by Falcon and Winter Soldier, just some of the sequences. I was like, you know, they they went all out. And it's like Secret Invasion. It's like, well, we're saving money for, I don't know, Daredevil or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like that was very underwhelming. So it's it's definitely nice to I don't know, be able to shake the etch a sketch and just go back to the Nick Fury that uh, that we really wanted to see, you know, and mm. it is it is a, a fun interaction uh, for, you know, the, the three leads and with uh, with sword. And yes, there's there's it's like you can't isolate anyone as comic relief in the movie because there are so many characters that provide a comedic point of view. You know, we've got Kamala's family. We've got Nick at times. We have people who work there. We have the just ridiculousness of how many flurkins are in this. I'm going to be very interested to see of the people that I know and maybe the people that I talk to on my shows about this movie, how people feel about that. You know, are they going to be like, and it's so stupid that they all got eaten by the cats. I didn't have any problem with that. That was really fun. I think it was funny. It was very yeah. inventive. They established that you're not going to die if that happens. I think that's important. Do you agree with me, Jeff, that you, if somebody said to you, it was like, yeah, they lost me when the cat started eating everyone. It, it just was too stupid. I, I, I don't have to agree with it, but it is one of those things where if somebody says it, I'm like, well, yeah. I see what you're saying, but like, it's, it's funny that you said you had some friends that you knew that would like it. I have one of my good friends that I'm going to see the movie with. He has two cats, and I know he's going to be dying seeing this movie, just loving all of it. Like, so, and I'm not a cat person, but I'm like, I was thinking when I saw this, I don't know how I, I would do on set. Like, that's a lot of cats. <laughs> this is a so, lot of cats. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. so like, it, it takes you out of the movie in a sense, if you're for good or bad. So, um, it may be a it may be a deterring point for people. Did it feel in any way like they pulled some punches? Not literally, obviously. Or do you feel like no? They they told a a, a good story. This is a this is a fine uh, MCU edition, and I just happened to I don't know maybe be a bad parent or feel like it's actually it it, it is a little bit more accessible to kids than others. I think both are true. I think it told a great story. I thought uh, told a fun story with great action, a, a good villain, and or interesting villain, and also it opened up the door to a wider audience. That's what uh, Kamala Khan does. That's what Miss Marvel's TV show did. That, and I think she just um, the director took kind of that tone and brought it into this film. But you also have Samuel Jackson. You have a lot of adult leads, so there's going to be a little bit of cussing sometimes, and there's going to be yeah. some villainous acts but if you think about it only one one or two of the fight scenes were at night or in a darker darker ship or darker room majority of the biggest fight scene was um in the daytime on a ship and over water so it was it was a very bright fight it was very fun and thematic like you got to see um the girls having fun um learning their powers together it was way more female empowerment and fighting together than it was we're gonna take down an, an evil bad. I like how this this villain was just kind of um, specific to this film, specific to this um, superhero, because not every villain is gonna be trying to take over the world. Not every not every villain is A list villains. There are C list villains that you have to sometimes take down. There's B list villains you have to sometimes take down, and there's villains that are specific to different superheroes. So 
this is just another story and a great, uh, a fun story at that. You're you're right. It is what I tweeted that it's like most of the time that I'm watching, especially like the first two acts. It's a lot of smiling. It's a lot of laughing. It's very fun to watch them together. And look, just the sequence where they're kind of training together about like, oh, when I use the powers, you know, you switch here and just trying to figure out how to coordinate that. You know, yeah, some of it's silly walking with the books on their head, the juggling. But I'm like, it's all it's all good. You know, it's all fun, you know, to, to mm-hmm. kind of watch that. The, those were some of the most fun sequences in the movie, I think, because no one's in any real peril there. You know, they're just trying to figure out not so much their powers, but how they can work together and use a hundred percent. And I was going to say your favorite part was the books. Mine was the jump rope because yeah, that's it's right. really cool transitions <laughs> to see how they were able to, to fit right in the same position of each other and then switching the uh switching the book and the apple without it falling it was it was a fun um fun transition fun little clip and then i just saw a clip of the director on the red carpet and she was saying that was one of her favorite scenes to shoot is just the um interactions between the ladies when they're learning how to use their powers together so i mean it was fun for her to shoot and it was obviously fun for us to watch. And it just, it just translated well. You know, I was trying to explain to somebody that I wasn't pleasantly surprised by it because I continued to feel good about it. I didn't watch the last trailer because that debuted on Monday. You and I talked a little bit about that in the theater. It debuted the night before the actual screening that we went to. And I, I get an email from Disney Press. Uh, and so I knew there was another trailer. I'm like, well, why am I going to watch it? It's, uh, I'm going to see the movie tomorrow. And I guess uh, I was glad that I didn't watch it because you you didn't get like a major, major spoiler. But there's a character in that trailer that you didn't know was in this movie until you saw that final, final trailer. Right, Jeff? Yeah. So I was tweeting um, on Monday. Oh, I'm definitely not watching that trailer. I'm going to go into the movie with no spoilers. No, nothing. Yeah. I can't wait. Guess what I did? I went back on Twitter and I found a spoiler without looking. So um, I was happy to find out to, that Valkyrie is going to be in the film. Yeah. And as soon as I saw her face, I just clicked out of the screen. So I don't even remember what the scene was that she was in. I mean, she was only in like one or two scenes. But like I couldn't even tell you what the screenshot was because that's how quickly I, I got off Twitter. Yeah. And, but I just knew it was her. And I'm assuming that I was assuming that's who it was because everybody was talking about the big cameo that you're going to see in this uh, trailer. But yeah. um, that was not the biggest cameo that we saw. In the no, I, I, <laughs> honestly, it's it's like even before the credits, there's a there's another cameo that I think is more interesting. They're just trying to have you uh, not know uh, what's coming, not be ready for it. in in that respect. They do a good job, and it's nice that Valkyrie is able to help. We should uh, take a moment and uh, talk about uh, Park So June, who is the one who plays the prince. There was a reaction in the theater where people knew who he was, and I, I didn't, I was not intending to generalize. It was the kind of reaction I'm like, oh, is is he like in a K-pop band? But he is in the movie parasite but he is a musician like he's in a where he's in a music video at least so there's some kind of you know fascination with this guy i guess guess Um, guess how many followers he has on instagram uh 10 million 25.6 million 
Exactly. Okay. That's why the now I understand the reaction clearly. Exactly. And uh, he it. was. I thought. I thought his interactions with uh, with Carol. I thought were great. I thought that was a good character. It was kind of interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, he provided our our team with uh, some some new costumes. And uh, I I like this sort of brighter, shinier version of Kamala's costume. And they give her the scarf, which is something that uh, that Carol had as Ms. Marvel, at least in the comic books in the late 70s. She kind of used that that uh, it was more of like a sash around her waist, but she would use it a lot. So it it, it is. A, it's a nice touch. You know what I mean? And I think that those kinds of uh, the attention to those kind of details, I think, are the little things that really reach out and touch kind of the fanboys and, and fangirls and fan people, I, you know. We've got a couple of appearances to talk about late in the movie. We're going to talk about all the spoilers. The first spoiler is not as big as the other one, but it was still very cool to see. Kate Bishop, I really liked the Kamala Khan hat over her face playing Nick Fury. She knows everything about the, you know, the 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 clear iPads now, the clear tablets and uh, you know and uh, Kate's having the same reaction. It's like, wait, that's all that stuff on me. I loved that scene because it directly sends up the, you know, the the running joke on uh, for a lot of people, and we would talk a lot about this on on Blackcast. That it seemed for a little while there that every Marvel movie ended with Sam Jackson walking in like, well, well, well. If it isn't Tony Stark or you know whoever, this was perfect. It was spot on. All right, whether they call this Young Avengers or there's a couple of different things that it can be. Yeah. Very exciting. How did you feel when uh, we got to see Kate Bishop walk through that door, Jeff? I was surprised to see that it was going to happen like that. I knew they were kind of like giving us Easter eggs and stuff, but I kept hearing out the rumor mill like, okay, they're not going to do that. They're not going to feed into um, that um, IP and the Young Avengers are going to move away from it because I just love to feed into the rumor rumor mills. Sure, yeah. With Bob Iger speaking not too long ago about how he loves the Avengers IP and we need to move back to it. Guess what? Young Avengers is an Avengers IP. West Coast Avengers is an Avengers IP. There's uh, there's other Avenger groups that um, have like younger uh, members. So I'm excited yeah. to see um, what they become and just the dynamic between the younger superheroes because you got to see a lot more hijinks. Maybe Spider-Man pops up. Uh, he gets to play around with the Young Avengers and the Adult Avengers. You know, look, if that had been the mid credit scene or an end credit scene, that still would have been fun. And you know what? Maybe in, uh, in, a, in an earlier cut of the movie or maybe in an earlier draft of the script, that was kind of the end, you know, was getting to see that. It's very exciting. It gets us thinking about the future. But then really going for the level of excitement having us really focused on the future. And again, this is the big spoiler. I got a text earlier today from uh, my buddy, Eric Nagel, who people know as E-Rock from uh, the old uh, Opie and Anthony show and uh, other places. And he texted me and he's like, is a spoiler the X-Men? And I'm like, I don't really want to answer that. Uh, You know, he's like, I think, I think some asshole on Twitter spoiled it for me. I'm like, I hope that whatever you saw was a was a fake spoiler. You know, I'm trying to like manage mm-hmm. his expectations, I'm trying not to lie to him either. But I'm also like, oh, don't ask me that. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for you. No. Uh, yeah. But if if somebody did post images 
Uh, and, you know, after I got home, I did do a little search. I wanted to see if it was out there. And uh, what I the only thing I saw was a fake tweet. Like Kelsey Grammer hasn't tweeted since like 2021. But somebody mm-hmm. made what looked like a screenshot of a of a tweet where he said that, uh, well, even though I, uh, you know, made this appearance, uh, I guess Kevin Feige has decided not to have me. It's a whole thing. And I'm like, well, that's not real. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that uh, maybe people like Eric, who had some spoilers, uh, they saw something that maybe was different. You know, maybe he thinks all the X-Men are going to be there. But I was not expecting this. Now, there's always a part of me. I, I thought we were going to get this in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. When you're dealing yeah. with other realities, I didn't expect the Marvels to be the movie where we had the crack, where a character gets stuck in the wrong reality. And then we are treated to uh, an image of Kelsey Grammer as Hank McCoy. Mm-hmm. One-time Avenger, but usually associated with the X-Men. I don't know about you, Jeff. Uh, I had heard a rumbling at some point that maybe he was going to be in Deadpool. But oh. I was not expecting to see him last night when I saw the Marvels. Uh, what did you think? We hear him first. We hear him talking. I think I might have read something that said Monica was going to, Monica was going to be in a different Earth are going to be in a different universe or my, or the end scene was going to be about Monica. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to see how that goes. But I had no idea where she'd be. I had no idea. I definitely did not expect it to be the X-Men because I, because I didn't hear about any X-Men properties coming out. I mean, we, all we know is a fantastic four. So I was like, maybe we're going to meet Reed Richards. Yeah. I really thought like, if that was the person, it was going to be that I was not expecting Hank McCoy. And then also like, um, not only did we have like, um, Maria Rambo as Captain Marvel, but and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm reading this. This is like the binary Captain Marvel. Is that yeah? Is that- and the interesting thing is she's wearing both of Kamala's bangles uh, in that scene. Maria is mm-hmm. Maria Rambo is wearing it, which I thought was interesting. Obviously, Kamala's bangles would exist in another reality. Somebody else would end up with them. So there's so much to explore. Yeah, there's no X-Men stuff on the publicly announced schedule, but uh, I'm wondering if uh, sometime in the month of November they might uh, give us a hint of uh, something that might be coming, you know, a story that will very much tie them into the MCU. And look, having them exist in another reality and having them already be established, it saves us from getting an origin movie Uh, I like the way that we got to visit with our two previous Spider-Man in uh, No Way Home, like we talked about. You know, I was like, yeah, these these stories happened. They really mattered. But I can't imagine that they would do that with either iteration of the Fantastic Four. You know, it's almost like, no, no, Fantastic Four, we have to start over. We can't, uh, you know, you can't have the Human Torch looking just like Captain America, first of all. So there's there's so many questions, but the good kind, like the excitement. I I hope that most people see that not having any kind of hint of spoiler about it, because to naturally have that unfold for us, I I think was great. I'd already enjoyed the movie. Like I said, if it had ended with the Kate Bishop scene, I still would have been like, wow, that was great. I had a lot of fun. We have uh, many more friends to uh, get reactions to as they see it. 
But uh, Jeff, I want to give you an opportunity for any any final thoughts. I think it was just an exciting MCU movie, and it is gonna excite the fans for for future projects. And and there's a lot of doubters. There's a lot of um, talk around there, even from some of the uh, Marvel's biggest promoters or outlets in Variety, which is which is kind of crazy that they're coming out with the with the harshest critics. But even with all that, MCU is still coming out with some great projects. And um, this woman-led project was was a was a fun ride, and it's not just for women; it's for everybody. Yeah, I, I think everybody uh, can can have fun with this. It is fun for almost all ages. Yes, it's PG thirteen, so uh, you know there's there's some kids you know who you know it might be a bit much for, but uh, you know use your discretion. I would say always see it first. Don't yep. don't. Don't bring a kid to a PG-13 movie uh, without knowing what it is, is what I'm trying to say. But Jeff, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this and be part of our first reaction. And I'm glad that we got to uh, check out the movie together because, you know, you and I we were saying earlier, we didn't hate the Eternals, but there were problems with it. And yeah. this was a lot more fun. I'm like, all right, I feel like I brought you to a to a better one this time, you know? Most definitely. No, it was it was great. To, like I said earlier, it was great to catch up and it was great to watch a, a really fun MCU movie. Obviously, if uh, if people want to uh, keep in touch with you, they want to continue the conversation. Uh, they want to see any videos of realtor Jeff walking around uh, property that he can't own, but perhaps you might be interested in. Where can they find you? Look, if you guys are trying to create your opportunities through real estate or just watch some films, you can follow me at Jeff Will Jr. on all your social media, social media platforms. I appreciate it as always. Continuing our conversation about the Marvels, that's Katie Hampton, Eric Connor, David Brody. I was lucky enough to go to an advanced screening and even luckier that I got to bring our friend Jeff Williams. I uh, want to find out what everybody else thinks about the, sh the movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I have uh, since seen it a second time. I brought my eight-year-old and my six-year-old. The six-year-old, uh, my daughter Lucy, loves Ms. Marvel, the character uh, from the animated series Spidey and His Amazing Friends. Uh, she's one of the end friends, not to be confused with Garfield and Friends, although that's a team-up I'd love to see the U.S. Acres gang with the uh, Spidey and his amazing friends, but she loved her some goose and friends. And uh, I think it played well with kids, but uh, I want to get everybody else's thoughts. So let me start with you, Katie. Overall, big picture thoughts. This was fucking fun. This was finally fun. It felt like, okay, post Endgame, we're finally having a team up movie that's not just dredging through, you know, the effects of Kang, which we will get into. We will have all those effects, but this was just pure fun. And I loved the Miss Marvel show on Disney Plus. I thought that was a fantastic introduction to her whole MCU universe. And she is such a bright light in this movie. And then also, of course, we've got, we're not calling her Photon yet. She's just Captain Rambo, apparently. Captain yeah. Rambo. Yeah, which which works, totally works. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that we would get some sort of a tag name for her at the end, but we never really got that. But it was wonderful. I thought it was a ton of fun. Great, lighthearted, 
comedy along with some really good action sequences. Yeah. I mean, that is basically how uh, I felt was that it was fun. I felt like an hour, 45 minutes. Boy, that was perfect. <laughs> it just it just oh, hit the spot. It clipped along. It was it was yeah. really quick. I was actually kind of surprised when we got to the act three break. I was like, oh, yeah, we're here already. OK, yeah. here we go. Eric, I know that uh, you went uh, with the kids uh, at the uh, the Chinese theater, the TCL. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chinese theater in Hollywood and uh, what did you think and uh, what did what did the boys think basically uh, on the whole you being one of the boys but uh, I'm interested in what all three boys thought the hairiest and least mature of my three boys yeah fair he, uh, we we all had such a good time and, and you know usually like when Christian sees a movie before me Besides, mm -hmm. you know, reminding me of some, and he invited me, which is very kind, and I couldn't make it. Jeff didn't know that, so uh, oh. yeah, you've, yeah, that's when you, you invited me, saying I, I wouldn't take you, but I'm taking Jeff. That was I'm how taking you Jeff because I like right, him better. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 but yeah. yes, I did. It's true, I did invite you. Yeah, and he's you know, it makes for a more handsome selfie when you have Jeff in it than me. Also uh, true. Yeah, no, he, you guys look good there. Uh, and and but you sent me a note ahead of time, which usually you don't do except to mock the fact that you saw it before me. But in this case... <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually just a picture of me with a giant popcorn and, and my yeah. drink. Just be like, jealous? Yeah, jelly. <laughs> but this case, this case here, you sent me a note that was like so positive. It was like filled with hope and optimism. And you're like, I, gave, I had a big silly grin on my face for three quarters of this movie. Yep. And and you you never kind of do that with a movie ahead of time for me. Usually really you're very cool about like letting me kind of go experience it fresh, but it, you couldn't have been more right. It, this movie it, it's light, it's a it's a it's a, it's a trifle, it's small, but that's what's also good about it. It you know, it was kind of the fun of the original Ant-Man. Like it felt even though it does open up, I don't know, some kind of rip in the space-time <clears> continuum, <throat> it did feel pretty self-contained. Uh, it connects a little bit to other parts of the universe, but you know, even if you didn't watch a second of WandaVision, uh, you or any other MCU movie, to be honest, I think, or Miss Marvel, the TV show, you could still really enjoy this. And it's a, such a fun cast. They bring out the best in Brie Larson, who's a wonderful actress, but I thought in the first Captain Marvel, it, it was almost like she felt like her performance felt almost like a little heavy. You know, like she had the weight of this franchise on her. And this, you know, they brought out such a light in her. And uh, they had wonderful chemistry, uh, all three of them. And I think what was really fun about the action scenes, too, is they were fresh. The idea of them constantly switching. That mm -hmm. was a way of doing it in a way we haven't seen in the previous 30-plus Marvel properties. So, yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. I'm very sad it didn't make more money. Um, I think Marvel has got some work to do on that end. But... Creatively, this one was quite good. Yeah. yeah, and part of the reason why I was just excited to start telling people what I thought about it was that there was sort of this dread hanging over at least uh, some people as they were heading into it. And uh, I just uh, was like, hey, I really liked it. I, I actually used the word. Uh, I think I said I loved it. I said it was great. And then um, that's huge for I, you, I would say. I, I, yeah, I know. I don't I don't love her. Uh, think anything's great. And uh, there were there were a few of those reactions in the days after it first came out. There were enough of them where I said that I was starting to feel <clears throat> like those maniacs who thought that the Lost series finale was great. And yeah. everybody <laughs> would just look at them and go, 
what? what? <laughs> How could you possibly think? But I started to feel like, all right. I, and, and I was like, look, I, I, I didn't see a different movie than these people. I just think I was expecting something different from the Marvels that yeah. other people were, you know, uh, somebody that I I've known for a while uh, also said that uh, thought that another half hour would have gone a long way. I'm like, towards what? There were parts where I felt like we had like some missing scenes and things were cut mm. for time or for whatever no. production and, reasons. And, and I all indications think. are that you're absolutely right. There were things that were cut for time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. And that, and that makes sense. That's totally part of it. But um, I thought overall, one of the things that I was really grateful for was that at the beginning, I thought we were going to do the whole, like, I'm the grumpy hero that you've idolized for so long. And like, I'm going to like, you know, slap your wrist or whatever. When you do something goofy, we got rid of that pretty much in the first couple of minutes when everybody was together. And like, then it was just pure teamwork, which I think is incredible to see three women all of differing race and color and of differing worlds coming together and just sinking so well. David, your overall thoughts. Well, based on what, uh, what Katie said, I'm going to say it was flirking fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think, I think I told you when you asked me for an overall, I gave it a seven, seven and a half. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than Dr. Strange multiverse of madness. There are, uh, which I thought was a train wreck. There are a Mm -hmm. couple of scenes in this movie that are cringeworthy and uncomfortable where I, when I watched them, I thought, Oh God, people are going to hate this scene and hate this movie because of this scene. But overall I thought Iman Vellani saved the movie. She's great. And I I didn't love Ms. Marvel. Uh, I still swear that it's Ms. Ms. Marvel, the way it's spelled. Uh, And I I thought, and, and she was Ms. Marvel when it was Carol Danvers in the comics. But that being said, I thought it was a, a step back towards uh, quality Marvel films, even though it's not Endgame level. I thought it was Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man level. I thought it was a great comparison. It was yeah. fun. I, I'm saddened by YouTube comments and Twitter comments that when you say you like this movie, you're bashed for either being a woke maniac or a shill for Disney, as if you're not allowed to actually like the movie. Yeah. And I, I, I just feel it's a lot of meatheads who can't, envision a movie that has women but if it was all men that it would be fine and it wouldn't have been you know it just it, of course, all men make sense but all women it's, right. it has to be it was planned and the the other side of it is that you know look i i think that uh everybody is certainly entitled to uh not enjoy the movie i don't think that if you see this movie and you didn't like it it automatically means that you're you know sexist misogynist pig however no, no i do believe no no not, not that you were saying it uh but i do yeah. believe that the uh the sexist misogynist pigs uh probably didn't even see it because they're like no i've seen everything i need to i know a few people that just didn't want to see it not for any of those reasons they're just like man you know uh it just uh they weren't excited about it and then the word of mouth uh hasn't uh really helped let me bring in a couple of comments from the chat ivan soto i truly enjoyed this movie but one thing that was strange making kamala an efficient fighter she fought a little bit in her show, but her fighting here was on another level. Yeah, I mean, they basically had, you know, like an afternoon of, you know, some training. And uh, I'm willing to kind of just go with that because of the fact that uh, she was going to need to be a, a better fighter than she seemed in her show. You can always explain that away if you want to, that it's like, well, the you know, the very ending of her show, she had kept up being Ms. Marvel for, you know, six months to a year or whatever. But yeah, it's a valid uh, criticism. You know, there are things that 
happen very quickly. And I think honestly. we saw we saw her stumble quite a bit throughout the movie of just saying, yeah. "Oh my!" Like her tag for the entire movie was, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, just right. screeching it. It was hilarious. Like she's not obviously of the level of Captain Marvel or Captain Rambo, but she fit in nicely, and I think she like focused up and she kind of raised her level of fighting in order to meet that and be in the game with them. I didn't dislike the original Captain Marvel movie, but it, it wasn't my favorite. And even though she's featured less in Endgame, I just felt like Brie Larson came off more comfortable as Carol Danvers in Endgame. And obviously she's it's a flashback story. She's learning, you know, about yeah. herself, her powers, but her like amnesia, not knowing who she was made it really hard to kind of relate to the character. And that's ultimately I saw that movie with my wife and she just didn't like it because she's like, yeah, why do I care about her? And, and I feel like they make it so that we care about her now. And I think, Iman Vellani and to Mona Paris really bring out the best in her and the best of the characters. It's not even, you know, uh, we've seen Brie Larson be great in other things. I don't even think she was bad in Captain Marvel. It just, it just felt, it just felt a little off. And I feel like she's really getting to inhabit the character here. She's able to have fun. You know, it's like, in Endgame, she kind of has that one moment, you know, where Spider-Man has the Infinity Gauntlet and she's like, hi, Peter Parker, you have something for me. And I was like, yeah. that was the first time you saw any, almost the first time you saw any personality out of her. And right. she's more well, like I, that in this. That distance, I think, is kind of part of her character arc because she's been away from Earth for so long. She's not really been a part of anyone's story, but like everyone else's in saving the universe and saving different like planets and things so it, it reminds me of a person who's been type a their entire life and then someone's just like hey do you want a little shot of something and then like <laughs> loosens her up and is like oh I you mean, actually do have a fun personality and i feel like that's what those two tayana paris and amano Vellani kind of brought to her in this whole mix was that like oh she had a little permission to have fun just and think yeah carol was gone from earth so long that she not only missed the Star Wars sequel trilogy, but she missed the entire prequel trilogy. So that's how out of step she is with pop culture. She's so far so behind. So she's lucky. She's well, a lucky woman. That's, <laughs> those are your words, not mine. That's at David Brody on yes, Twitter. And in, in her world, Star Wars is three for three and there's no yeah, Jar Jar. Yeah. So exactly. count me in, and sign me up. She'll outlive us all. You know, I was going to add in here too, you know, because uh, I saw... Uh, this idea of like the you know the story set after Secret Invasion, even though we didn't see uh, uh, Mrs. Well, Fury. let me let me just interject with that because Please. this movie has scrolls in it, and you would have no idea that Secret Invasion happened. And uh, it's got Nick Fury in it. It's got Nick Fury interacting with scrolls. There is no right. mention of like you know like that thing that just happened. Nothing. There's yeah. No reference. And, and I no one said on how's Mrs. Fury. And they're moving <laughs> them all to Earth. They're putting yeah. them in uh, New Asgard. Why would right. you put them on Earth? You just had a problem. I think they're going to retcon it that space that Secret I'm Invasion was a different that. alternate no, universe. Secret yeah. Invasion is that thing I maybe they will never speak of again. I think maybe yeah. it, it's almost like yeah. the Men in Black pen. Like we're all just going to forget it. <laughs> and, yeah. and similar to not knowing of a Jar Jar Binks, we'll all be better humans for it. Um, <laughs> and, and this, by the way, this Nick Fury was fun. Like yeah. Nick, yeah, this Fury is the Nick Fury always liked. Yeah, yeah, a twinkle in his part of the pun eye, but you know <laughs> he is such a charismatic performer, 
And somehow Secret Invasion's biggest sin of many was taking away what makes Nick Fury the glue of so many of those films. And here he does have a big role. It could have been, he didn't even need to be in it, but every time he showed up, he added a little spark. And maybe the best line of the whole movie is when uh, uh, Miss Marvel's falling and then Carol lands. He goes, oh good, it's Carol. And it was like a throwaway line. And that very quiet, very empty theater, unfortunately, but that line killed everyone like perked up at that. So I don't know. It just, it, it kind of reminded me of just how secret invasion really uh, missed the mark by a, by a country mile as Christian might say. Even uh, yes, the fact of him just barely petting goose. And I, I like had so much tension in that moment. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you yeah, petting goose? You, you, you want two eye yeah, patches? No, Cam Egan makes the point that uh, clearly is what's going around uh, in, uh, in, in, you know, Marvel <laughs> studios is, Oh, did secret invasion happen? And uh, according to Alternate this movie, timeline. it did not is what I've been. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, maybe the events of Loki erased secret invasion from the timeline. Oh, you know, that would be okay if uh, if he just went uh, through and just, like, weeded that story out. Yeah, just, just all the strands. Ah, just ah, As he's holding he, him. <laughs> he had all the strands, but one slipped away, and he was like, meh, it's all right. Meh. He, he, he looks meh. to see what it is. Oh, okay, cool. Let's shift to uh, one of the, uh, the most pronounced uh, criticisms of the movie. Daniel Drew said, I didn't really feel a lot for the antagonist. He's uh, speaking of Dar Ben. I get her POV for, and what Carol did. And uh, but maybe a bit more character development from her. I do feel sympathy for her plight, but I wanted more. Um, I felt like they at least gave her a reason why she specifically uh, hates Carol because she dropped a ton of bricks on her. I'm like, yeah, it's like there's the big picture, but then also specifically like who does that? You know, who, who drops a bunch of bricks on somebody? Not cool, dude. Not cool. Daniel does add, uh, I don't quite get why Carol taking out the Supreme Intelligence would have had anything to do with Hala's son going out unless it was helping to control the son and prevent it from dying. I think that's exactly what it was. It's it's the uh, the argument of like, oh, you don't need the Supreme Intelligence because it's uh, keeping you all in check. It's the concept of Big Brother. It's like, yeah, there's all this bad stuff, but also does really important things. I can't believe I'm referencing Lost after I said something about it earlier. <laughs> but it's like the idea of like, well, what if you don't push that button? Nothing's going to happen. Well, then they don't push the button and a bunch of shit happens. Shit happens. We're like, yeah. oh, you should have pushed the button. So yeah. I think the Supreme Intelligence is really the deus ex machina. It really is the button you have to push. So once the Supreme Intelligence wasn't there, uh, it, it led. It wasn't like instantly the sun went out, but it was uh, one of many functions. So, Do you feel like uh, we missed Captain Marvel 2, though? Do you feel I like there was a movie missing? Yeah, I would have liked an early 2000s Captain Marvel, you know, with like Creed and Bare Naked Ladies on the soundtrack. You know, <laughs> we really could have we could have had, uh, you know, LFO, they might be giants. Know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now you're talking. Yoko, oh, no. <laughs> Obviously, there's not the time for that. But I feel like if they had given us another solo movie of her, mm. uh, it, it would have helped sort of fill in the story. But it was very clear that when they announced Captain Marvel two, they weren't going to like, okay, and this is going to pick up a few years later. They just want to kind of connect those dots. And by the way, how old would, does this make Carol? Is she like in her fifties? Is she 60? Yeah. She mean, looks amazing. Good for well, Carol. Cause Captain Rambo is like what in her like late twenties, early thirties yeah. or so. So yeah. obviously. Yeah. 
Um, that's like a 20 year difference at the least. Uh, I forget the woman's name. I'm like Tom Hiddleston's Darben. wife. <laughs> Darben. Uh, yes. Yeah, right. Thought, Interestingly enough, Loki's wife. Yes. In the, yeah, in the real Loki's world. Wife yeah. In the real world. Uh, but I felt very similar to her character that I did with Lee Pace in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, right. the very first movie. It, it's a Ronin type character. It has the same staff even. Yeah. Like is just looking for revenge. And like I... I didn't want all that much depth because we've already got three main characters that we a know a lot about, but like in the movies, you're not necessarily you've seen some of the shows or anything. So I thought that was, it was fine to keep her a little bit separate. I was curious about how Captain Marvel affected this world so poorly and um, sort of the consequences that it was causing in other planets, which I, I felt like we we kind of touched on, but we didn't get a full ribbon bow around all those different storylines of like, you know, stealing their water or their air or relocating them to New Asgard. Um, th there was a lot going on in there. So I felt like if we had more backstory on Darbon, I would have been like, I don't need this. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and if I could uh, jump on that too, because one one plot moment that just sort of really bumped my head on many times was the idea of, you know, you probably could recharge that sun. Really? I didn't consider it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's give it a shot. Why not? When, when, like, when Carol's number one move is just flying through things. Yeah. <laughs> it seems right, like that. Right, 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 right. That's like your default setting. You know, it's yeah, the, uh, in the movie Signs, when he needs a, a voice from a, a dead relative oh. to say, swing away. The guy was a baseball I, player. I'm going to pretend thing. that you didn't see it because yeah. I refuse to go down that rabbit hole. You did not say what you just said. I'm going to go back to the earlier in. comment. I by it and I'll nope. say it again. Nope. I will kick you out if we end up talking about that movie Signs. Can I address the Captain Danvers son thing? So yeah. in the first Marvel movie, okay, the first Captain Marvel, they were supposed to find a homeland for the Skrulls. And then yeah. they don't. We find out in Secret yeah. Invasion, she wasted 30 years and she didn't. The housing yeah. market is awful. You know awful. this. So then yeah. in this Interest movie, they rate. tell you that she destroyed this planet, destroyed the sun. And then in the years since, doesn't ask the world's top scientists what maybe would be an idea that Photon had. That she's like, well, you just charge the sun. Yeah. Somebody could have told she didn't ask anybody for help how to yeah. fix the problem. She didn't feel I any guilt. She didn't care. So Heartless I B. agree with what both of you are saying in principle, but I do think that it's actually a nice character moment for Carol where she's like, oh, I I've never done anything like that because it's like for what we've seen her do, the yeah, fact she that she was like this close to taking out Thanos by herself, the idea that she's so powerful, but even she's like, I never thought about even trying to do that. So I, I do agree that uh, it, you'd think that at some point you've been like, oh, I wonder if I can, uh, I can, you know, put the paddles on and jumpstart that sun. The way that I took it was that she just didn't think it was something she could do. What were you going to say, Eric? Yeah, no, but I, I think that's what, you know, Katie, you're bringing up about scenes that were lost. And, and it's known that this movie <clears throat> went through a lot of rewrites, a lot of re-edits, a lot of reshoots. And, and I think like that might have been something in that mix, like needed to do A plus B for C and to, to recharge that sun. And that might have been one of those like extended scenes that they realized wasn't necessarily adding to the movie. So they lost it. But yeah, the logic there is a pretty massive hole. I feel like you can semi explain it in the fact that let's be real. Carol's kind of a meathead. She's not really a planner. She's just like go in full force, see what happens after. And so I think the two new characters 
kind of pulled her back and let her sit and think about things and actually have to plan, especially with the switching um, of different powers. I thought that was a really cool moment for Brie herself and potentially the arc of the character over the next couple of MCU movies that I'm hoping that we see more of because I feel like a lot of Carol's whole screen time interactions has been here's a problem solve it now and you don't have time to like go back you don't have time to figure any of this stuff out you don't have time to think about any of this you have no downtime go out in the universe and solve this and so I feel like these two characters have finally sort of not like pulled her back but like let her think a little bit differently and actually have because we haven't seen her teamed up with anyone except for fury and even that was sort of like she was taking the bulkhead of it and meat heading her way through the whole universe. I think they do a good job of sort of, you know, they kind of only touch on it and it's kind of a throwaway line. But, uh, you know, this idea that she spent so much time off in space by herself and uh, she's got people around again and it takes a moment. And uh, Kamal Khan uh, even owns up to the fact that it's like, yeah, maybe I came up a little strong. And it doesn't uh, help that uh, <laughs> Carol materializes in a room and sees all of her fan art, you know. Uh, but that, I, I think that's that's very funny, and that's that's an interesting moment very early in the film, by the way, because it is, of course, from the uh, final episode of the Ms. Marvel series. But Kamala's up there doing her homework, and she does not have her costume on. And then they cut back and she's laying down on the bed in her costume, which is a scene from the end. And I was like, all right, I mean, it's not a huge deal, but it's like, so this is the, this is like a moment later, but there are kind of some disjointed moments like that. Uh, ultimately, I, I really was very happy with the runtime. There were a couple of those things where I thought like, well, what about that? There wasn't anything that bothered me. There were other people that I legitimately talked to who wanted to know more like, well, what happens to the water planet? I'm like, I didn't care. I'm sorry. Literally. I didn't care. It seemed like it got saved well enough. They lost some water, but you know what? It's going to rain. They'll get water back. So I legitimately wasn't well, worried about, there weren't like looming loose threads for me. And you know, the, the runtime as it was, I thought just really kind of made it the kind of movie that I could for the first time consider actually taking my kids to see a, a an MCU movie in the theater. It's only the second one my son's ever seen. He saw the first Guardians at home and my daughter hadn't seen anything, but uh, they had fun. You know, my daughter loved seeing Kamala Khan and uh, a huge fan of the Flurkins, which we'll talk about. But uh, David, I feel like you uh, wanted to get in with something. Yeah, a couple things. First of all, that that's not how rain works. The, the <laughs> rain has to the rain has to come from the ocean evaporating. It doesn't create more otherwise we'd be underwater right now. Oh, I'm sorry. So you know, you know the atmospheric conditions of that planet. You know well, how I rain know, works. I, 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 know that, I, I know that I know that if rain created more water, they would be underwater at, at some point after a couple well, of years. Well, Darben didn't yeah. steal all their water. You know, right, she's, but the not, rain uh, she's not the Diana rain from V trying to steal. I, I'm now going to go back to signs. I I'm, think I'm signs just saying <laughs> if, if, she, if she stole a million gallons of water, if it rained, it would be the same. It doesn't. OK, but you mentioned Ms. Marvel's room in Jersey City. I, I found it funny that they missed the opportunity when she goes, I'm such a big fan of yours that she didn't say, I know I've seen your room. Like, I thought that was a would have been a great line from Ms. for Captain Marvel to say. Um, but here's yeah, another thing. If I had to guess, that line was not only in the script, that line was filmed. You know, it just yeah, and, and, yeah. and they, they cut it out. Right? Yeah. 
Um, Ms. Marvel is a huge fan of Captain Marvel's, but now that we're talking about Captain Marvel's timeline, she came back for Endgame and then went back into space. So if you're if you're um Ms. Marvel, you probably didn't see very much of Captain Marvel that you worship her this much. She wasn't around for your childhood, and then she really wasn't around, and then you it was the blip, and then you know, so uh, it seems like anyway. they have comics in their world, much like yes. we do. Like everything well, they do, comics, they, they yeah, they've they've set up this idea that there are Marvel comics in the yeah, you know the, the actual six one six Marvel universe to the extent at one point Steve Rogers was the artist for the Captain America comic book. Uh, but the idea is that it's like, well, obviously those comics don't, you know, have uh, B plots about their secret identities because no one knows them. Although actually in the MCU, people know pretty much everybody's secret identity, but the, you know, that's the conceit in the comics is that it's just like, yeah, these are just adventures of like, you know, yeah. Hey, did you, you remember that story from the news about uh, Spider-Man and Scorpion and Sandman? Well, here's a comic book that is uh, dramatizing that. Yeah. yeah. As far as Dar Ben goes, I'll tell you why yeah. I didn't like her as a villain. And I know they're all attractive, but, I found her to be too attractive and I, she was like flirty with hair flipping and she didn't seem evil to me. Her eyes were glowing in that way that you'd want a woman in your fantasy to have her eyes like it. It just seemed <laughs> weird to me. I thought Darben wasn't evil. She didn't feel Whoa. evil. She didn't. I think the point it, was, is that she wasn't really evil. She was just on a vengeance trip because Carol came and fucked up her world and killed a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> David, even her grills and her teeth like that didn't like make yeah, you feel she no. was evil. No, and I, and I again, it, she, she just seemed like a a female Ronin. Like we couldn't get a new villain of all the villains. On um, and they and actually, the character she plays was in like one comic in the past fifty years. He's not even Dar like Ben. A name. Yeah, Dar Ben was in as as a guy in the comics, but yeah, uh, you know, yeah. they made her a female okay. for the movie. Just you know, female hashtag female. I got no problem but with that. Yeah, I, I just mean, didn't. I didn't like her. I didn't think she was that evil, and you know, I just yeah. didn't like her. No, I mean, I think that that is is the biggest criticism. But again, uh, I you know I'm able to bring my kids to a movie because the bad guy's not too scary. You know, right. uh, that was my concern. Well, it, it was for. But by the way, it was for me because when uh, I showed my daughter the uh, first Spider-Man and his amazing friends from when I was a kid, and Doctor Doom was in it, she was not having it. She's like, she got very upset. She's like, I don't like him. I'm Aww. like, you're not supposed to like him. That's the whole point. But, I don't uh, like him, and I don't like you, Dad. Well, and Starfire was so cute, though. With Iceman and Starfire, that was Firestar. Come on, Firestar. Now. Sorry, Firestar. Uh, that's right. Yeah, don't, uh, bad. don't misname Angelica Jones. I think one thing I was just going to say with the villains, I, uh, as you watch this, and you, Katie, you brought up like Lee Pace before, right? There's these villains that they just don't really have like three dimensions, right? They're just sort of like, and, and I think the difference between the villains that have some sort of staying power. The ones that don't are the ones that actually have scenes that aren't just about the plot. They're not just about their evil scheme, but rather they have another element of their life. You know, uh, obviously uh, Thanos was into foster care, you know, and adoption. So like that <laughs> brought a different side to him. But but really, it's like a lot of those villains, the ones that really are interesting. I love they... this rebranding. Like, yeah. ad. <laughs> he's, like, like he's into right. adoption. He was, he was a big brother. He was... <laughs> yeah, we just fostered a dog a little while ago that we adopted. So, you know, I I, I felt is it green? Pain. 
Uh, one of his eyes is actually half brown, it's, half blue, it's, so it's pretty freaky. It's actually one of the Hulk dogs from the angle. <laughs> uh, let me uh, share this comment from Daniel Drew, though, was thinking about Brie Larson's performance in the first movie. I still enjoy the movie. I didn't dislike it. I just felt like it could. It's one of those ones where like, ah, it just could have been a little bit better. Uh, but he, uh, to Daniel, Carol was like that because she was more Cree than human personality wise. They had done a good job of mm. kind of erasing all of that. I think it's a fair Brainwash. point. And, you know, she gradually gets more time to become human. I would have liked a couple more scenes with the trio on the ship. Once again, I guarantee there's more stuff of the, them on the ship. I liked what we got, especially when they're working on, you know, synchronized jumping or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite both times I saw it was uh, the books on each other's head and, uh, you know, having them not fall. I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, like, I, yeah, after they figured out the powers. And yeah, look, that would address what uh, Ivan was talking about earlier. It, you know, it's like in the original star Wars, you know, Luke gets like four minutes of like, all right, well, why don't you uh, see what you can do with the, the helmet on and see if uh, you know, you can uh, knock down this little, this little drone thing. And uh, it's like, all right, you're pretty much a Jedi. Now let's, uh, let's head into uh, the death star. You know, <laughs> Let's fight the worst Jedi ever. <laughs> and uh, Daniel also felt that he thinks uh, Marvel should have had a, a special that would have come out before this, something like Monica Rambo, agent of sword, that would be great. Uh, yeah. I, I noticed the like animosity with Monica Rambo in WandaVision. And I was like, yeah. why is she so pissy with Carol? I was like, is it just because she's she's gone or like what yeah. what's the deal? I, I always had that question I, and I wish I, they had I actually thought she felt like uh you know it was Carol's fault that her mom died, that uh, you know, that the the radiation, Carol maybe could have done something if she came, you know, sort of that sort of brought thing. her back but, before uh, I thought it, I was I was glad that it was more of a, a you know more realistic reason. It's like, yeah, you just left and uh came back. I do think that yeah, it definitely felt like we missed a step with mm -hmm. Monica. I think they did a decent enough job kind of just filling it in because Carol doesn't know about it. So then the audience doesn't know about it. So we're all kind of learning at the same time. I just think that right now, Marvel studios is not in a, uh, let's put a lot more content out there. It's more dialing back what they're already planning and trying good. to spread it out a little bit. Right. And yeah, I mean, I think that that's a good thing, but I would have loved that. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you. Daniel also said that Valkyrie took in the scroll refugees to new Asgard on earth. The exact thing is trying to be avoided and secret invasion. We did mention that earlier. And uh, when secret invasion comes up, it should just be more like, huh? What's that? You know, just uh, on this show in our lives, Pretty much everywhere, <laughs> you know, we we don't need to think about uh, secret invasion, um, man. I wish a, I had like one of those like <clears throat> filters or something where I just like zipped my face and I became a scroll <laughs> oh <my laughs> or something gosh, right yeah. now and just be like, it's me, too. This uh, conversation, we've done a, a good job avoiding the, the spoilers. And in a moment, we're going to talk about some of the uh, the spoilers late in the movie. It really just came down to the simple fact that this was fun. I saw it again. So if there were going to be any any issues that maybe i missed the first time. one thing that i missed the first time was uh kamala had uh, framed photos of her two friends from the the ms marvel series uh she references them at another time but i'm like okay yeah let's not forget about them and i also like that her brother is only on the phone with his uh fiance we don't actually see her uh, know. you know, so that's I, like, <laughs> I know I'm like, yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's one check they didn't have to write, but, right. uh, the, uh, but the character a, likeness, 
is probably chalked up to promotion. Uh, you know, all the kinds of things that SAG were just striking for is uh, little tricks like what a wonderful cast for her family to be able to like even go onto Sword and like they there was such a bright light like the, their reactions to everything how i love that she's like no you can't go into space you've got school tomorrow like yeah i loved how grounded all of that was um i continually love those characters and i especially especially love the moment when nick fury is like are you praying right now and he's like uh and he's like well don't stop we need we need all the help we can get and uh, that's again the nick fury that we liked not the moody not able to really accomplish pretty much anything nick fury from the show that uh easily winded uh nick fury mind you who uh the uh very i'm getting too old for this shit (laughs) you look good so i didn't notice any any uh gut on him i think he was looking like no he's taking care of himself look he's got to get in fighting shape for snakes on a plane too i'm still uh (laughs) hoping for it i wanted to comment on what katie said about the family don't forget they also fought the kree in their own home they didn't they didn't they didn't cower in the corner they were hitting with chairs and whatever else so i give them props for that but uh, you did mention how they didn't show they didn't show that the fiance or whatever they're leaving characters out. There was a strange moment for me, and I don't know if you picked up on it. When Monica Rambeau is explaining her origin, how she got powers, she said, yeah. "Oh, I walked through a witch's hex." Yeah. Wouldn't you mention the Scarlet Witch to someone who knows the Scarlet Witch? W- wouldn't you say like Wanda took over New Jersey and I walked through her hex? And, I, I so think that- it's a, more of a more of a catch-all. You know, she's probably used to explaining it to people. Like, how'd you get powers? I walked through a witch's hex. Uh, yeah, I, just, also- I, I was in Jersey and shit happened. <laughs> That's not- yeah, yeah, I, I, I went into Wawa and I used the slurping yeah. machine. The next thing I knew, I could walk through things. <laughs> I, I, I feel I like if Christian, Ham. <laughs> if Christian gave me a black eye and then I met a friend of Christian's and Christian and I knew it was a friend of Christian's and he's like, what happened to your black eye? What happened to your eye? I go, oh, yeah. Some asshole hit me in the eye. I would say yeah. it was Christian. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I walked to a, a witch's hex. Well, it just well, seemed weird. That, like they, they didn't mention yeah. it wasn't like she's like Sony property and they couldn't yes. mention her name. If anybody sees David tomorrow, the way he got a black eye is that he walked through a witch's hex. Not <laughs> yes, I'm not going to tell you who I, what witch you know. though. So we're now situated in a way where, uh, and again, we're going to talk about the 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 big reveals uh, towards the end of the movie. But let's talk about sort of Kamala going forward. So she relocates to Louisiana. I mean, I guess because they were going to film on that location. I don't quite understand what that was. Like, I feel like that was one of those moments Tax where breaks. I'm like. We are definitely missing something about why, yes, their house got trashed in Jersey City. You know, so I'm like, they never really explain why they're doing that and, uh, you know, what that entails. But it does situate the character. It situates Ms. Marvel. You very easily. In fact, I would very much more so than before. I'd be interested in seeing another season of her show now. You know, I think that it's probably not likely because, you know, sort of the reception of the movie. Ivan says that the cons were helping Carol move into Maria's house. And, I will uh, say I was confused did, by this, too. I wasn't did, sure who was moving, but I, I, I mean, Carol had that thing. No, I think Ivan might be right that she was moving back into her house. But I still don't understand why they were there. I guess they had, but because remember the ship landed in, in, in New York. So, yeah, that's one of those that I think that there's scenes uh, not featured in the film that would explain it better. But uh, Ivan, I appreciate that because now it makes more sense if they are, they should go back to Jersey city because if she's not there, who is going to protect Jersey city? The answer is no one. 
Right. Know? And the, and the young Avengers aren't going to be uh, headquartered no. in Louisiana. No offense. Tax, for tax purposes, also, tax purposes, they absolutely will be in Louisiana <laughs> or Georgia, but they'll just they'll pretend be Georgia, New Mexico, place. Louisiana. Right, they, yeah, they'll film there for sure. <laughs> well, Falcons, yeah. Falcons from there, they can hang out with Falcon. This no, is a great I question. I feel like you're going to be on your feet here, David Brody. But Ivan Soto asked the question. I'm going to uh, turn to David Brody <laughs> for the answer to this. What's the difference between Jersey City and New Jersey? What's the difference between New York City and New York State? Yes. Jersey yeah, City is a is a small town in New Jersey, not far yes. from Manhattan, and New Jersey is the whole state. Uh, even though most people just call it Jersey, it's New Jersey. Yes. Uh, uh, the word city should have been a been a hint there, you know. David, I thought you were going to get a little angrier with your response. So I, I appreciate I the you were too. I, mean, I, I, I was uh, I, I was looking for clippable content, but uh, that's all right that I didn't get it. It's more of a it's more of the quick check part of New Jersey than the Wawa part of New Jersey. Does that answer yeah. your question, Ivan? Oh, no, it doesn't. All right. Well, that's all right. That all being said, we're going to talk about the spoilers. We're going to talk about them in the order they happen. So let's talk about first this idea that uh, Kamala gets that uh, she's like, it was really fun having a team. And uh, I thought it was great to see Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop returning mm. in the film. Katie, what do you think about that? Oh, I was so excited. I, I knew as soon as we saw the dog, as soon yep. as we saw the apartment, I was like, AKA well, pizza dog. Yeah. Pizza yes. dog. Yeah. No, that was really cool. I got very excited. Um, it, felt like more of a commitment to sort of either this young Avengers theme or, you know, the Inhumans or whatever we're going for, whatever we're pushing for without just having it be like a when uh, <laughs> we had, I think at the end of Miss Marvel, is that what we had? Yeah, we did. Uh, we did get the uh, fanfare to uh, uh, it was listed actually as uh, the X-Men 97 theme is actually how it was listed from Ms. Marvel because I was interested when it happened yes we did get that the idea that uh, kamala is a mutant uh but yes so that so we didn't just get that yeah uh and i thought it was uh it was good and i liked i liked their interaction i liked this idea that uh she's like you're not the only kid superhero and she's like i'm 22 Two, three. You know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that made me laugh but i was like oh but you are still a kid <laughs> yeah. eric what did you think about uh getting to see uh kamala very very lightly uh interact kate with kate bishop but uh definitely uh sending up the uh the early mcu appearances of nick fury you know where yeah you know he would basically walk into a scene and just go well 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 and then he would lay everything on the table and sometimes they'd she, have to wreck they'd have to wreck him yeah. trying to get uh thunderbolt ross uh to uh kill the hulk or whatever she basically quoted nick fury's uh, speech to iron man yeah Right. Which I assume said, please. Which yeah. is so and, cute. And, and, and I, I, assume, I wonder I wonder if he told her what to say. I'm like, no, <laughs> I feel like uh, Kamala Khan Com comic new. book. Yeah, she's she's going out book. on her own. She's like making her dreams come true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were all kind of clamoring for like a young Avengers and yeah. also a female led Avengers. And they've set up three at least three terrific options right there two of them we they, saw she mentions and, did you know ant-man has a daughter and uh yeah. like yes yep. we do and they recast her for this reason yeah, yeah. but then yeah. also america chavez it could be another yeah. one that they could easily work in so right there you've got four really interesting young performers who i i mean the tricky thing is and and, and problem is disney is dealing with this this incredibly you know misogynistic backlash to this movie 
I hope yeah. that doesn't give them cold feet for Ironheart. It will. It it likely will. Well, Ironheart. Like it likely will give them cold feet just because post strikes, post all this, they're going to be hedging their bets a little bit more. And unfortunate as it is, and I think we're starting to see some change. People just don't like female-led movies when it comes to superhero stuff. And, I mean, as in people, I mean the angry white males on all the message boards that are not apparently here today, well, which is lovely. I've, com I've calmed down David. a lot. I've David calmed Bray. down a lot in my 40s. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, look, and, and you're right. And the one contrarian thing that I could say is that they had – a movie that really did a great job. This wasn't a Marvel movie, but I think the first Wonder Woman did a great job at yes. sort of chipping away at that. And then they followed it up with Wonder wow. Woman 84, which is the possibly worst. the worst superhero movie I've seen. Well, <laughs> I had to go see it in a drive-in because movie theaters weren't open in, oh, in no. California at that time. <laughs> Ironheart may be the fourth female for Young Avengers, but yeah. let's not forget that Wiccan and Speed are going to be in it. The young Captain America, the, right. the old Elijah. guy that he goes to visit, Elijah, he's going to be Patriot. So there are male Young Avengers yeah, that we've yeah. already been introduced to. Just the four that are prominent are all female. And I feel like they, they, you know, none of the men have been introduced yet. So you couldn't have had them in that scene, right? Wicked and Speed don't exist yet. And Patriot hasn't really been Patriot yet. And so I feel like they had to go with Kate Bishop. But, you know, you bring in an Asgardian. She's a female. The, the, the post-credit scene is, you know, mostly about the secret is a female. So, yeah, there's yeah. going to be backlash if people think Young Avengers is going to be all female. As a TV show, though, I think it could work. Like, I'm curious, yeah. you know. You On know, the CW. <laughs> no, no, let's not go there. Let's not do well, anything near Warner it, it Brothers. Would be, it, would be on, it would be on Freeform if it went anywhere. But, yes, uh, yes. Uh, it would be for Disney but it Plus. Would, it, it'll yeah. be Disney yeah. Plus for yeah. sure. And that is the hope. And it does feel like at least – Marvel is reconsidering their whole TV lineup and considering what they're doing instead of just like rushing projects out. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more caution when we go into like the new like movies or TV right. shows, especially Wait, from Marvel. And correct me if I'm wrong, Christian, like next year, I think the only MCU theatrical release is going to be Deadpool. Uh, Cammy Egan would like to see Young Avengers as a film. Uh, I like the scene. I like the slow build and teases of the group. I, I would assume the plan was for it to be a movie. Maybe there's a, they're, they're reconsidering. We're going to see how everything goes, you know, but we've been talking about spoilers and we'll continue to talk about spoilers uh this would be the uh the spoileriest of the spoilers the one that uh i did my best to try to encourage people to not have spoiled for them because it is a it is a very cool reveal and you know at the back of my mind i thought that uh you know monica going through a portal to another reality I thought that was going to give us Fantastic Four. It's probably what we we're supposed to think. I was, you know, starting to think about it. I didn't really let myself think it was going to be anything related to the X Men, just because I didn't feel like we were there, you know. Uh, but when we get to hear the uh, the dulcet tones of one Fraser Crane, uh, we <laughs> hear Kelsey Grammer as Hank McCoy. Um, that is a, a very cool, very exciting moment and uh, getting to see the, uh, the big X, you know, so this is very like X two era of the characters. And there was such a freak out over that in the theater. The first time I saw it that I didn't realize 
that he called Maria Rambo. He called her binary. Yeah. Uh, which is a Carol oh. Danvers character in the comics uh, because people were too busy freaking out about, uh, about Hank. And I get it by the way, you know, uh, I, I was there with everybody. Christian, I don't know if this has happened before and I'd have to go back and watch every trailer, but in the yeah. final Ms. Marvel trailer, they showed binary walk by uh, from the waist down. Then I was like, Oh my God, that's binary. And that was the, that was the mid credit scene. I don't recall any mid credit scenes being spoiled in a trailer, but I think they were so desperate to promote the movie. They gave away the binary part of it in the last Ms. Marvel and the last Captain Marvel, the Marvel's trailer. So I wasn't surprised it was binary. I knew it was binary. Right. I, I mean, I, I, I guess the reveal is really still that, uh, you know, in this reality, uh, Monica's mom is alive, but clearly yeah. she's not her mom and she does have superpowers and she's not Captain Marvel like we saw. What in, is, or, oh, multiverse. No. Multiverse. Multiverse. Yes. Menace. But she right. may have been Captain Marvel. And then like in our world, mutated to binary because right. Captain Marvel lost her powers to Rogue. And then the uh, the shy the Shyar, uh captured her, and she was yes. captured by the the brood. The brood captured her. A lot of the Captain Marvel on screen powers of Carol Danvers are basically this iteration of the character, this sort of supercharged uh, face space faring version of the character. Uh, I do want to ask uh, each of you. Oh yeah, yeah. And Daniel makes the point that uh, she's wearing the quantum bands. She's wearing both of them. You know, that's what people were kind of. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you actually brought that up because, yes, Maria's wearing the quantum bands. They're referred to as quantum bands, which uh, I most personally, I most associate with a character named Quasar, who was a, a member of the Avengers in like the late 80s into the early 90s, had his own solo book. But uh, that's a character that's been rumored. You know, he and Nova are the names that get thrown around yep. most often, but we still haven't actually seen. Oh. But I, I want to ask each of you about uh, the end credits reveal. And I'll start with you, David, because you seem like you also have something else. So that'd be oh, great. I was going to say start. that I was going to say that Nova has also been rumored to be a young Avenger because. Oh, the, yeah, that the, makes sense. There are two Novas in Marvel Comics, the, the original yes. Nova. And then there's a kid Nova, a kid Nova. Wow. Maybe that may be how they well, younger Nova. Maybe how they yeah, bring her to the young Avengers. There's also the uh, Frankie Ray, the Herald of Galactus Nova, the female yes. Nova. Yes. Yeah. Who, uh, but again, it, again, it, maybe they'll bring. It, we need men in the, in the in the young Avengers. Come on. We just talked about that. Come on. Get yeah. some. Oh, well, hey, look, Daniel's Daniel's got the solution. I hope that means Quasar. You know, like like yeah. bring Quasar into the young Avengers. That'd be cool. Nova into the young Avengers. Uh. So all right. So we get this uh, big reveal of of Hank late in the movie. I think it's from X-Men 2, Days of Future Past era. Well, no, 2 is X-Men United. Uh, Days of Future Past is technically X-Men 4. Right, but Hank McCoy, Hank as Beast, Blue Furry oh, Beast. I see what is, you're I'm saying I think it's Less that universe. Than, I, I think see. it's that exact yep. universe that he's from uh, okay. that we may see that version of the Avengers. What you know, if they if they cast the same people, I think that's the alternate timeline, the Fox universe. That may be the Fox universe. And then this is when Binary may have joined later once she became a mutant as Binary. She wasn't a mutant as Captain Marvel, but then right. they mutated her. So that's I'm thinking that's the era that we're going to see is is that genre as opposed to the young Hank McCoy era where he doesn't have the blue right from the the earlier version. So yeah, the uh, Nicholas Holt beast. Who right, Nicholas Holt. Later, beast, right. see he he turn he does ultimately turn into the blue beast. I think right. in uh, Dark Phoenix, at least by Dark Phoenix, he's the blue. Yes. Beast. It's definitely not 838, right? It's definitely not the 
version because he said I'm gonna have to tell the the doctor or or uh, Xavier. He said something about Xavier, and so the, any theory that that was eight three eight Professor X was killed in eight three eight in Multiverse of Madness. So I don't think it's the same yeah, universe. I don't, I don't think it's that one. Uh, and uh, just to uh, t- finish up on that, uh, tidy up. Uh, yeah. So Daniel Drew goes through Riri Williams, America Chavez, Kamal Khan, Eli, Future Patriot, uh, Joaquin, the Future Falcon, uh, Kate Bishop, possibly a kid Loki. I mean, you can get dozens of Lokis at this point. Wicked and Speed. Uh, yeah, I think that those are all characters. We'll see it. I think it'll. I think it'll mix and match. I don't think it'll be. I think it will be a female-led, female-driven story wherever we get it. But uh, how old is Gator Loki? Uh, get, you know what? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, what, what, how yeah. long is a Gator year? I mean, dog. that's the no, thing. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If he's a young Gator Loki, then he's got a shot. Speaking of animation, I, it might as well have been. Um, that CG was rough, and I was kind of really just—I was like excited seeing Beast, but I was also like, I'm sorry, what happened here? <laughs> like, uh, did CG strike right when this was supposed to be made? Um, a lot of the effects on that that little reveal was was not the best and i feel like it was kind of sloppy and it feels like a lot of this movie was sort of thrown together and that was the most like thrown together it felt i would like to know when they filmed it i think because of strikes and stuff it has to be at least five six months ago Oh, no. clearly. I mean, I yeah. obviously Kelsey Grammer just did the VO. Like there, no. there was no mocap. There was nothing. It 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 looked like someone was trying to hand draw it almost, <laughs> but with three D effects. It just it was. It, it felt like it felt like a trailer moment that they would then end up like doing better and kind of sharpening at the end. Like maybe in the DVD Blu Ray release or whatever, it's going to be nicer. I don't know that just so distracted me from the point that I was like, Oh, cool. Excellent. I was like, what happened? <laughs> uh, what did you think, Eric, when you got uh, that reveal, which uh, I did not spoil in my text to you, although, uh, you know, at a different time in my life, I definitely would have spoiled it for everyone. I know. No, I never met that version of Christian. No, Black. you definitely uh, did no. not. Yeah. I got the more advanced <laughs> one. Those effects were really, yeah, those were rough. And and I think, too, it's so exciting, the possibilities of X-Men and Fantastic Four. I, I mean, we, we're, we're, you know, just eagerly waiting for these moments to happen. And I think the problem with these sort of cameos that they have here, as excited as I was to hear Kelsey Grammer's voice, Kelsey Grammer's 68. Like, he's not putting that makeup on for nothing. He just got another Phaedra <laughs> greenlit. Like, oh, he, he, doesn't need, he, he doesn't need to spend a second in a makeup chair except to cover up what I assume is himself. Like, whatever yeah. his years of hard living have done to him, you know? And, and so here, thus, we have a beast with his voice with really piss poor CG. Sub-TV level CG. And, and so... It takes this moment, which is exciting. It's similar to, you know, Patrick Stewart showing up in Doctor Strange. Like, it's exciting, but you realize it is it is a step above my Jekyll and Hyde uh, fan fictions. You know, <laughs> it, it, or Jekyll, Heckle and Jekyll. Heckle and Jekyll, come on. Now, Jekyll and Hyde, that, that one's not that's fiction. A, that's, <laughs> a very, yeah, that's a documentary. <laughs> that's me in college and now. Uh, but, but I think that's the problem is it, it takes away some of the luster because they have now also set up so many possibilities for cameos and connections. 
and it, it unfortunately reduces the impact by a bit, you know? So on one hand, yes, when he showed up, my son and I, my older son and I were both like geeking out. On this other hand, it doesn't have that lasting excitement of, oh, I can't wait to see that beast in a future movie. Because you realize it might just be that moment and then that's it. Just like Patrick Stewart, just like John Krasinski. And and again, the problem Marvel's now facing is, you know, they're sort of throwing so much crap at the wall to see what can stick. They're going to have to start making some actual choices and find themselves a through line again because that's this deep into these phases we have no great through line like we did in the previous phases. So it doesn't feel like any of it's planned. It feels like it's an yeah, algorithm yeah, yeah. test. Like it feels like, okay, if they react strongly to beast, then great. Maybe we green light a movie where he's an actual character. And maybe we convince Kelsey Grammer to get back in the makeup. I don't know. Maybe that's the case, but it didn't feel like they put the time and effort into the VFX, the CG. So I'm like, what am I just getting a false hope of excitement just seeing this? Like, I'm like, cool. Awesome. Would be like happy to see more. But if you're not going that way, just based on my reaction, it mm. feels like clickbait. Obviously we needed a doctor or a scientist for that scene. Right. Sure. But what if B what if beast was chosen because he's the only one you didn't need an actor for. Right. Maybe, Maybe because of the, the strike I mean, was going on. They're like, sure. we need to put someone in this scene. We can't, we can't get, you know, Halle Berry coming in. So oh, what CGI, no, what CG no, we characters cannot, can we use? Yeah. <laughs> right. So what can we do? Well, we can get a blue guy in CGI and have, you know, Frasier Crane voice it. I know it's Chelsea, you know, Kelsey Grammer. Uh, but I, <laughs> no, I it's Frasier like Crane. No, I mean, yeah, the show's I, I, back on Paramount Plus. He's right. Frasier that's Crane. why he, he'll always be Frasier to me. I feel yeah. like that's why they chose Beast as opposed to any other character in the MCU they could have used. And I think they were like, well, what can we do with Monica Ramp? You know, binary was maybe she was available. I don't know. It just seemed like Beast is an odd choice, except they needed a doctor, I guess, for her or a scientist for this situation. And, and they yeah, because that could have been Reed Richards in that moment. You're telling a different story. But the OMG factor, as I believe they might say, having it be Beast, having it be one of the X-Men, any of the X-Men really uh, is a pretty good reveal. It, look, it's exciting because it opens up the possibility of us actually getting the you know the x-men sooner than i think we thought and i don't just mean uh x-men 97 and i i look i know how long we've gone today but, but we didn't talk about the cringe moment well well i want to ask you your cringe moment and then i have two other topics that uh we can uh, we can touch on briefly but yes i did want to find out what is your cringe moment in the marvels david brody uh the the whole planet with the singing people i knew it that should have been cut yeah that's, it was goofy. By the way, that's one. That's one of my two points that I want to talk about. The only thing that was redeeming about that scene is when he speaks normally, and they say you're not singing. He goes, "I'm bilingual." That yeah, was brilliant. That, that was funny. Hilarious. But the whole singing thing was like was way too long, and it was it was stupid. And that was like a blink of an to eye the, to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it felt like five minutes. It was. It was. Ugh. And then she's engaged to the guy. Look, you. The whole point was. Why is Darben attacking this planet? She has a connection. She's married to the guy. They couldn't come up with something better than the singing. Somebody was like, oh, why didn't you just have the birds from like um, Bare Necessities, the bluebirds on my shoulder coming in and singing? You know, it was just terrible. Oh, just I yeah, felt like that moment wasn't actually meant for you. <laughs> I felt like that was <laughs> no, actually kidding. meant for some I, kids. Uh, oh, but, I, but, I, but I paid, Katie. My money was meant for Disney. <laughs> I still count. Oh, don't worry. They got your money. David <laughs> yeah. was a child so. back in 58. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dad. 
<laughs> no problem. Um, I, I did want to ask about that sequence because to me, I thought it just added to sort of the uh, breaking down the walls around Carol as she had been portrayed to us as an audience. So I actually thought having her sing, look, whether that's Brie Larson singing or not, I actually don't care. Uh, I, I was very I no curious about that. Oh, she I, was a I, singer. I, I, yeah, no, I'm interested. If it's not her, it's fine. I think for the character, I think it was fun. I like that she's like, um, you know, I helped him out with a legal issue. I thought that sequence was fun and it was funny and it added to some of the other stuff. I understand where you're coming from, Mr. Brody, but uh, Katie, you said that didn't really uh, last too long for you, that it was over in a blink of an eye. I knew exactly when I saw the like the spinning and dancing, I was like, they're going to have a musical number in this. And I don't <laughs> know why, but okay. And as soon as we landed and I just like heard like some music coming, I was like, okay, I get it now. It made sense to me. It felt like just like a fun sort of like side mission quest type thing that, they all had their own like costumes just ready and waiting for them to go yeah, and that fight. Was... Uh, that was that that like suspended my disbelief other than like three women just traveling throughout the universe um a little bit but apart from that i was like oh yeah like that's a fun goofy like side thing it feels a very guardians of the galaxy honestly that kind of thing like i a guess planet that made scene was flashed. for you. Yeah, well, it wasn't really for me. The scene that was for me, which I think Christian is going to get into in just a second here, is maybe the Flurkins. Um, yep. That's yep. Uh, that. Uh, my daughter's still talking about the kitties. I uh, thought it was uh, a hilarious yeah. solve. That, like I, that. I, 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 yeah, it was not at all what I expected. I could understand. See, if somebody told me they thought that was stupid, I'm like, I get it. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, but and it was uh, a Eric, solve. It was a plot point. It, like that yeah. made sense. The Singing yeah. Planet, I could understand. I, where it's I like, want to get Eric's thoughts on both the Singing Planet and, and the Flurkin. Of course, the Flurkin, the Flurkin Flurkins. I'll start with a positive. I I also enjoyed the Flurkins. I thought the use of memory almost made me forget about the movie version of Cats, but it, none of that. So I will never fully yeah. forget that ever. Uh, but that whole sequence was cute. It was funny. It was strange, but it seemed in keeping with Miss Marvel's tone, with uh, the Marvel's tone, right? But the singing planet, yeah, I, I don't know if I hated it quite as much as some, but it, it it felt like this, you know, considering how many things they seemed they cut out of this movie, I was like, that's the thing they kept, you know, <laughs> like it just seems like an idea that happens at like three a.m. and you're just trying to go home. And yeah. it's like, fine, we'll do singing, whatever. Just get the, let's just go. And, and it's a real shame because I think the idea of what she has been doing out there in the galaxies, it could be really interesting. Like you're saying, Katie, you know, the idea of like them traveling around and sort of come across all the sort of people she's helped and heard along the way. I think that's actually a pretty cool idea for an ongoing show. But I, I think that the singing planet it just was like two steps to the right of Goofy. And as a result, like, yeah, I couldn't wait for that scene to get over. As, <laughs> as good as Miss Marvel Honest, was. Honestly, it felt like if you ever played the game Kingdom Hearts, and I know I'm reaching for the back of the stands here, but if you ever played Kingdom Hearts, and in the Kingdom Hearts 2, you get the Little Mermaid planet, you're like, oh, like, why? <laughs> like, we didn't need this. <laughs> no one wanted this. But I feel like for some little girls, like, you know, it's I think that was like for them and it, it yeah. 
It was over. What did your kid think, Christian? Like, what did your kids think of the singing? Neither of them really commented on it. Uh, it my son didn't get bored, but uh, you know, in the live action uh, Little Mermaid, there there were a couple of moments where you know there it was like enough already. You know, when they decided that the seagull needed to rap, some of it didn't. It didn't all work. Let's just say, but uh, it wasn't so long. Uh, you know, I think by that point. We're at the point in the movie, this is before the Flurkins. My son was, you know, the, the popcorn bucket was dwindling. So he was able to tolerate it. My daughter didn't love it, but uh, what, you know, she's about to turn six. So what she loved was definitely the the Flurkins, you know, and they, they knew Goose, of course, because uh, McDonald's had the, uh, the Marvel's Happy Meal line uh, way back in July or whenever this movie was supposed to come out. So they have goose. They know goose. I had to, I had to warn her about the no. kitties, you know, so that she didn't react like Kamala did the first time, which we all saw in the trailer, which is still funny in the movie. Um, but no, they didn't really have any thoughts. Did, uh, did your boys have an issue with like, wait, I didn't know this was a singing movie. You know, I, I they didn't even talk about it. I, I think they were just sort of like, ill paths, you know, we'll, we'll just wait it out. Um, but the, the, the Flurkins are, are fan favorites in this household. I uh, want to give everybody an opportunity to uh, share where they can be found and where you can continue the conversation with them. Uh, Katie, where can people find you? Uh, you can always find me at, at L Sassy Pants, E-L-S-A-S-S-Y-P-A-N-T-S, sometimes with a Z on TikTok. Eric Connor, I'm going to let you uh, share your uh, y- where people can find you. Well, when, 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 I'm, when I'm not watching Christian do his things on uh, Who Are These Broadcasters. Uh, oh, my gosh. What? Me? It was Sassy Pants and David Brody and the Brooklyn Boys over on Instagram and the Facebook at the Cat Eric Connor. <laughs> uh, I'm floating around on Twitter. You can see me there. David Brody, where do people find you? Uh, you can find me at David Brody on Instagram, and I'm still calling it Twitter. Uh, yep. You can find me on the Brooklyn Boys podcast. And the week after Thanksgiving, we're launching a companion podcast on the same channel called Slice Time, where, which will feature our listeners that we call Slices and... Uh, yeah, you'll see. But anyway, Brooklyn Boys uh, <laughs> podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. And now, as of this week, featured on the Amazon Music podcast section. Continuing the conversation on the Marvels with opposing viewpoints, artist Andy Smith. Andy, thank you for being here on the show. Hello. I appreciate it. And yeah, you got uh, it. Your right hand man and partner in crime, uh, Dennis Turner. Dennis, thank you for being here as well. Live long and prosper. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, of course, uh, the man who has Hollywood in his name from Hollywood and Toto, Christian Toto. Uh, Christian, thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you uh, for uh, watching the movie. And, uh, you know, your reaction to it is uh, what started the wheels turning for this conversation. Um, I, I want to just uh, by way of kind of building a foundation for the conversation, Christian, you and I usually talk at Oscar time. So when we talk, we tend to be talking about the movies that someone somewhere thinks are some of the best movies of that year. Sometimes it's arguable, but the, the bar is usually set a little higher than, well, I was going to say summertime, but you know, it's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, so late in the year, superhero fair, but I'm curious what for you personally, what have been the MCU movies that you, that if, if you think that there's one or two that were great, 
but just for you, the ones that were the best, whether they're, you know, anytime over the last 15 years or whatever, which ones stand out to you as like, oh, they really hit the mark with this? You know, many, actually. I would, I guess I'd go first to the Avengers and give a lot of credit to Joss Whedon. I think he did that superhero grouping movie so well, had the humor, had the action beats, it, it moved swiftly. I could watch it again and again. And then I think some of the other Avengers films were nearly as good. I could watch Infinity War in a loop. I mean, the action sequences, the the bits of humor, the Thanos is just a spectacular villain. And, and uh, you love the happy ending in Infinity War. <laughs> it's a snap. You know, I, 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 I Captain America Civil War, again, yeah. I'm I'm a geek in the way that I watch action movies and that hangar scene where it's a good guy versus good guy. Again, I can watch it right now. I could watch it, get done with it, and then hit rewind and see it again. If only to hear Paul Rudd ask as Ant-Man, does anybody have some orange slices? I mean, these are really fun movies. They're yeah. well-constructed. And I, have to get, I think the Russo brothers really, for a while, were just at the peak of their powers as far as delivering superhero films. The first Iron Man has a lot of uh, great qualities. I don't think I love the Guardians movies as much as others, but the first one is quite good. And yeah. I mean, I could go on and on. I think there's been a lot of highlights. And I think that's why we're all still talking about this franchise, because they did hit triples and home runs repeatedly. And uh, I think the, the, the fall from grace has been spectacular for that reason alone. A lot of times you kind of have to look at the you know, the original run, whatever it is, the first 23 movies that basically ended in Endgame. And then you have to, you have to really zero in on the stuff that came after. And I think that some of them I, I've quite liked. Sometimes I like the characters. Like I think for me personally, I, I really liked Shang-Chi. I, I just felt like, yeah, I liked the character a lot. And I'm like, I, I, I mostly like the movie. The, the recent crop, has movies like uh, Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, which again, I thought was fun because it was a classic Thor adventure. Uh, the movie that I'm kind of out on, on the limb for uh, not liking is uh, Wakanda Forever because before it came out, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, they shouldn't recast Chadwick Boseman. I like the idea they're taking. And then I saw the movie and I was like, oh, they should have recast him <laughs> because it was just like, oh, I didn't care about it. And I don't even think like having the, right. the Shuri character in addition to T'Challa, I think would have been fine mm -hmm. if she had been some kind of super powered character. But it was like, that's a that's a lot of uh, a lot of weight to put on Letitia Wright's very slight frame, you know. <laughs> so this one, the Marvels for me was uh, one of the ones I've liked the most in the post Endgame era. You know, I mean, I think Guardians three. I mentioned Shang Chi, and I, I think we get to count the Spider Man movies, even though they're co productions with Sony, because yeah. if you look at the Sony only Spider-Man movies, you there's a huge difference. I, I, I don't I don't mm -hmm. dislike the Andrew Garfield movies anywhere near as much as some people. But uh, let me ask you uh, before we dive into this movie in particular, I'm going to ask uh, Andy and Dennis the same thing. I'll ask you first, Andy, uh, of the recent crop, uh, which are the ones that stood out like, OK, this one was really good. And do you have a designated stinker? Is it is it this one or is it uh, is it the is it the Eternals, basically? <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh my God! I always forget about the Eternals. Oh, that's everyone right, does because it's forgettable. Everyone does. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it has, that I mean, huge, that it has a huge. It has a huge cameo from Harry Styles, and yet people still forget about it. Yeah. Oh well, that was the best part of the movie, and the <laughs> fact I got to, got to get up and leave. But um, <laughs> the man, the Eternals. I'm actually glad you pointed that out because I it is so forgettable 
I don't well, think I would have even mentioned when it, people are but... having the reaction to this movie that uh, they are. I I feel like it's a good time to be like, hey, uh, remember the Eternals? <laughs> so yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, I will say one of my favorites from the past that I'm surprised Christian there didn't mention was Winter Soldier. That's one that I sure. can just hit on a loop. Everyone else you mentioned, I totally agree with. So now moving on. Okay, so my favorite out of the post Endgame stuff is probably Guardians Three. Okay. Um, and then my least favorite, you know, it is it is a real big wow. Honestly, it is not this one, but the Eternals, it's got to be the Eternals just because, <laughs> well, just because I was going to say Wakanda forever, but then I realized, well, it's a sequel. So I got to see some of the original cast. Yeah. And I did like their Angela original Bassett, cast. I thought was great in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's things you can pull out of that. The Eternals was like, there's like eight lead characters, just, and I don't like any yeah, of them. Just, I no, that's not true. I liked the, um, I, I liked uh, Kumal Nanjani. I, I did like one of the characters. I forgot. Yeah. The Eternals is the only Marvel movie that I fell asleep in. <laughs> I, I nodded out for like 20 minutes when, um, was it Selma Hayek, was yeah. talking about her backstory, and they started going into flashbacks and stuff. And I do. I remember that's when I nodded out. I think I asked Dennis it's, afterwards. It's like your brain knew it? the part of the story that you could uh, check out for. Yeah, uh, exactly. Before, before I ask uh, Dennis the same question, let me ask you, Christian. You know, you for, for work, you have to see a lot of movies. Uh, have you fallen asleep during any of these? And maybe uh, – I don't fall asleep many times in a movie. I didn't even fall asleep during Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's three and a half hours. So it's like I should have at some point, but I, I, I enjoyed it. But that's, <sighs> that's neither here nor there. What uh, what what about you, Christian? Do you, do you ever find yourself like, I could probably just rest my eyes during this non-fight sequence in a Marvel movie? You know, the Marvel movies don't put me to sleep even when they're clunkers, but I do fight sleep in other films. And I just think part of that is I'm wiped out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I work seven days a week, but also the movies just aren't that engaging these days. I, you know, it, it, it's not all their fault, but it's a lot of their fault. If you had a good story and interesting characters and great dialogue, I'm not, I'm not snoozing. I'm up. I'm, I'm, you know, that's why I'm do this, this silly gig is because I really enjoy movies. So that's a problem with films. And by the way, I'm going to maybe overstep my bounds here and give you my worst of the the post, uh, I guess, the recent Marvel movies. Oh, that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would definitely uh, be interested uh, in knowing what you thought the worst was. To me, the Marvels, I had so such low expectations. And it, it is so, uh, it's so comfortable in its own skin. It's not, a, it's that saggy, terrible skin, but it, it it's not presumptuous. It doesn't have a, an ego about it. So I, I, I kind of got some slack, but I thought Thor Love and Thunder was just atrocious. And, I, and what a waste of Christian Bale. And, and to yeah. see Ragnarok and then see that film. And I just saw Next Goal Wins with Taika Waititi. This is a, a, a very interesting filmmaker who has fallen off the cliff, creatively speaking. I mean, I thought Jojo Rabbit was brilliant. Yeah, I agree. His last two yeah. films are just atrocious. So I, I, I'm hoping for yeah. a return to form, but he's so twee. It's off the charts now, and I think he's been showing it way right. too often. Well, I, I don't think you're alone in your assessment of Love and Thunder. Uh, but uh, I wanted to ask you, Dennis, uh, sort of the, the same question. What have you thought of the the post-Endgame films where it's been, you know, it's been a, a, a little bit of uh, some rockier going as they uh, they try to figure out what they're doing? In, in general, it's been a snooze fest. Um, I have It has been lackluster pretty much across the board. Guardians was probably the, the best of the crop. I was one of the few that really liked Ragnarok. Um, 
I, I enjoyed Wait, that. Sorry, one. do you mean Ragnarok or Love and Thunder? Ragnarok. And then okay. Love and Thunder came out and it was so over the top and it was so bad. And I, I agree with you, Christian Toto. Jojo Rabbit was phenomenal. I love that Isn't movie. It? The whole family did. Mm -hmm. We watched it how many yeah. times? And, you know, it's just fallen off a cliff. The problem that I've seen with this crop is after She-Hulk, the Marvel AI, K-E-V-I-N, has started writing all the Marvel movies because that is literally what this feels like. You know how the AI, they misdraw things and like on a hand they'll have six knuckles. That, that's what I feel like all the Marvel movies are. It's being written by Kevin. And uh, boy, it's just not engaging. It's just, uh, it, this Marvel's is probably my least favorite out of almost everything. And I had super low expectations going in and even were lower. I think this was my lowest rated Marvel movie that I ever gave it on our show. So uh, the, the usual go-to is Thor, the dark world. And you prefer that to the Marvel. Absolutely. Okay. No, oh, yeah, I, I do too. I have a friend, I have a yeah. friend who loves that, that movie. So uh, I have no problem with that oh. movie. I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I didn't hate it by totally, any means. Totally, it was so but. different from the first one. I think I just wasn't expecting it. But uh, so it's interesting because neither of you expected anything. So, well, of Christian and Dennis, neither of you expected anything. And for that reason, Christian was able to kind of shrug it off. But uh, also, I feel Dennis, there's always, you know, any comic book movie, I think that there's always the uh, expectation that it will at the very least come close to the source material in some way represent the characters i think an important movie to compare it to uh, a friend who i asked to join us but uh, didn't want to put himself out having these opinions publicly so i will not identify him but <laughs> his comparison to the original captain marvel movie i thought was interesting he said this movie was definitely a mess but at least it was a fun mess captain marvel was a boring mess I'm at least okay with that movie, but I think for me, the difference was that Iman Vellani and Tamona Paris, there's uh, characters brought more out of Carol Danvers than we've seen mm -hmm. before. And I talked about this in an earlier conversation in the Captain Marvel movie, the immediate disservice is like, well, she doesn't know who she is. And so if she doesn't know, we don't know and we don't care. And that mm -hmm. was my wife's biggest problem with that movie was just that like, I didn't care about her. And I'm like, oh, I kind of care about her from the comic books, but you're right. So I found it uh, to be a little bit, you know, more engaging. You know, she had flashes in like Endgame. I talked about uh, in an earlier conversation. There's like the exchange she has with Peter Parker where he's like super nervous talking to her. And I'm like, okay, I kind of like that. And then they kind of like planted that seed. And I thought it worked a little bit more in here. But uh, let's uh, go around and uh, I'll start with you, Christian. What do you think are the biggest problems with the movie? Why why it just didn't work for you, Christian? Uh, there's a lot of things you can point to. I do think it starts with Brie Larson, who is technically a good actress. But, you know, I think what we've seen in a lot of these superhero films, and it spreads across DC as well, is the casting has been so on point. And you can just name up everyone. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, just yeah. beautifully cast roles. They know the characters. They're charismatic. I don't think Chris Evans is a great leading man, but as Captain America, he kills. He's great. Yeah. And then I think that Brie Larson, for whatever reason, whether it's the character's not defined, the director hasn't been working with her in a way that 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 reaps benefits, but 
I've just never enjoyed her character. I thought she was terrible in Captain Marvel. I do think she's slightly better here, maybe for the reasons you described, that she's got people to work off of. And there, there's some there's some back and forth there. But I think it starts with her. I just think the script is a mess. It's not sharp. It's not clever. There are some yuck, yuck moments, no doubt. But it doesn't really have any sort of pop to it. And the plot is all over the map. You know, you've got this very, very generic villain. And, you know, she's ranting and raving across the street. And I don't care. You know, one minute she's against Captain Marvel. The next minute she's sucking up the the, the, the resources from other planets. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not invested in her journey. I don't care. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a dog person. So this whole cat thing with the tentacles and stuff, <laughs> I could care less. It seems so infantile. And, you know, Christian, Christian you said your kids love it. That's what this is made for. It's made for yeah. younger younger audiences who haven't experienced great films yet because they're young and it's silly and it doesn't ask much of them. And that's perfectly fine. But this is a major film franchise with yeah. a lot of home runs to its credit. And this is like a bun single and it just doesn't measure up. And, well, and don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show my kids Goodfellas this weekend. It's a little late, Go. but you know, never too late. I guess. No, no, Go. God. My, my son's my son's only eight. It, he's not ready for the Godfather. Goodfellas. Listen, I rewatched Destroy All Monsters recently. It was a movie that I adored as a child. It was Godzilla and all the yeah. monsters getting together. Sure. And I could barely sit through it. And as a kid, I would have <laughs> I would have sacrificed my parents in favor of that movie. So I'm not judging your children. It's just that's just yeah. where we are as youngins. That's all. No, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, a lot of the stuff that we remember, you know, I remember being so excited when I think I, I had, you know, Netflix, the first streaming service. And I'm like, oh, my God, they've got old episodes of Voltron. I got like four minutes into it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I can't believe I watched this. every day. <laughs> um, but Dennis, I want to go to you next, because uh, I know that uh, of you and Andy, I know that you were the uh, one who was much more upset that uh, it sounded to me, Dennis, like you had the urge to actually walk out of the theater during the Marvels. I've only ever walked out of a movie once in my entire life that I paid for. And that was Highlander 2. And I mean, look, if you're going to walk out of one, that's a good one. That's it, a good it, one to walk was. out of. My wife and I, we both looked at each other and we're like, <laughs> wow, I, I don't care. Let's, let's just leave. I was really close at times in this movie, but you know, Andy would be like, we got to give a review on it. You yeah, got to stick right. it out. And that's what that's what it was. There were so many negatives about this. Um, no, Iman Vellani, she was my one and only highlight to this whole thing. Her presence, her charisma, her it's like she is the one who actually wanted to be there. And it wasn't her character that felt this. It felt like it was the actress herself. And she was the one that brought any of the workable scenes together. The ones that I wanted to see, I wanted to see Carol Danvers and I wanted to see Photon. I wanted to see them interact, you know, and do that. And I wanted the scene and, and the emotion. And there wasn't. There was the one scene where, you know, Brie Larson sitting there, she had a little more emotion in this, but it's like, okay, I'm happy. I'm sad. And then they're like, freeze. And they walked up, squirted some saline into her eye. And then you watch the, the tear come down. I'm like, it's the same face. And all of a sudden, there's a tear there. There was literally uh, no emotion to it. And they couldn't get any of the characters right. Like, I, I watched Secret Invasion. Oh. 
Nick Fury, yes, exactly. But that was Nick Fury. How do we go from sour and dour Nick Fury in this to I'm going to be Arnold and whip out one-liners through this whole thing and joke everything and black girl magic, go. And I'm just like, wow. I mean, you could not be more polar opposite in the exact same character. It, 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 it infuriated me because it was just so bad. And the whole thing felt like we shot a movie. It was a bad script to start with. Now we're going to reshoot half or three quarters of the movie and then we'll reshoot some more and then we're going to cut it all apart and then we're just going to reassemble and do a few filler things in there and hopefully this movie makes a little sense now. And it didn't. Again, I'm uh, not taking a contrary stance on uh, this movie to uh, anyone's opinions, but uh, what you said about Nick Fury, the exact opposite is true for me. Uh, Secret Invasion was unwatchable for many reasons. That Nick Fury, I'm like, no, that's 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 actually not him. I like the uh, I like the uh, the fun, freewheeling, jokey uh, uh, Sam Jackson. That's that's what I that's what I come to uh, for that. But uh, I I can see that if if that's what you're expecting, yeah, he's definitely. It, it's what Christian said. Like this is definitely uh, you know it's an hour forty five minutes. Yes, it's PG thirteen. This is the first time I even considered taking my kids to see an MCU movie in the theater, especially my daughter's only six. Um, and prior to this, my son had seen the first Guardians is the only one he had seen. And, uh, you know, I think it is definitely it clearly to what you're saying, Dennis, it probably it had to have been a choice that's like we're going to cut it down in such a way that it's like the most uh, accessible to general audiences. But, now, but to my point on Nick Fury, um, yeah. it wasn't that I thought he was right or wrong. It's continuity. You literally just finish with one and move on to the other. And he's like bipolar. And I right. it's like, he forgot to take his pill in one of them, which is the correct. <laughs> which which pill pulled. didn't he take? Yeah. Right. Um, but, I would <laughs> say just considering the fact that Nick Fury interacts with squirrels in this movie, uh, I would say that uh, without even telling us, they immediately decanonized Secret Invasion. It clearly did yeah. not happen. It would have been referenced if it had. And uh, I agree with you, though. Uh, you know, it, it is it is a little jarring. The Nick Fury thing, the thing that irritated me from, well, Secret Invasion wasn't that great. But the the thing that irritated me with the, with Nick Fury is why in the hell for Secret Invasion? We've seen this. We've seen Nick Fury since day one almost in the MCU, but for Secret Invasion, he's like, I got to tell you, this eye patch just bothers the shit out of me. <laughs> and then in the last episode, he's like, going to space. Got to put yeah, <laughs> he I puts know. it back on. I don't know, what the? I, but, like, uh, the, I don't, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I think with the TV no, series, a lot of times, basically, you know, do no harm. It's like, here's the starting point of your TV series. Whatever you need to, to get back to that point, it's fine. Because think about Falcon and Winter Soldier, a series that I, I liked for the most part. It starts off, if you remember, at the end of Endgame, Sam is going to be uh, Captain America. Well, that series starts off and he's like, no, I actually don't want to be Captain America. And then you have six episodes. And at the end of it, he's like, actually, I do want to be Captain America. Right. So you don't need to watch that show for that journey. Uh, yeah. And uh, Secret Invasion, I think it was like, oh, yeah, Nick Fury's up in space. He's been there a long time. Well, he's down. 
Oh yeah, and he doesn't <laughs> even put the eye patch back on, and uh, yeah. So I th I think it was like that, that. Those were the orders, you know, from the desk of Feige. <laughs> I'm so done with Nick Fury, and it's funny because when he first entered the scene, it was well, it was race swap. Who cares? It's Sam Jackson. He's great. Yeah, right. Everyone exactly. embraced him. Right. Everyone loved him. I am so burned out in his character. I don't care about him. He, like you said, there's such a a change in tone and change in attitude. You just know who he is or what he is. He is not necessary anymore. And I just feel badly for Jackson as an actor that he has to keep catching his paychecks. But also, I think that also points to a bigger issue where there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. And the amazing thing about the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame was, I don't know if it was all by the book, if there was this grand scheme, but in those two movies, it felt like there was a grand scheme and everything was interlocking together. And this meant that, and this meant, I mean, it was fascinating to watch all these pieces just collide into this one unifying portrait. What is going on with this franchise? What movie connects to the last movie? What plot connects to it? And now we're gonna have Kang is gonna go away because Jonathan Majors has got some you know legal issues going on. Nothing makes sense here. Nothing's cohesive. There's it's like the last couple of Star Wars movies. Where's the plan? I don't see it. I mean, after they did it so successfully the first time, even if they failed at it, there should be some sort of blueprint here. I see nothing but chaos and and just competing storylines, competing visions, and and a lack of quality. And all of it is just a complete train wreck. Well, Christian, one thing I'll just say is I agree with you with Nick Fury. I think he's done. He was the glue that held everything together. Yeah. Now I will say I finished Loki and which was the best ending in anything on Disney Plus. And to me, that becomes the new glue in the Marvel Universe that Nick Fury should go away as the glue. And now the God of storytelling who's interweaving through all of this and has the ability to make changes. Something tells me Loki could become the new glue for, uh, for, for the MCU. Mm -hmm. I'll be curious to see if, if they take that any farther or not, but yeah. But so I saw a headline that basically said Tom Hiddleston's journey over these past 14 years is over. Yeah, so. I mean, but by the way, uh, Dennis, you're not the uh, only one I've heard uh, with that theory. Uh, I, I had a conversation where uh, people thought that maybe he will play a bigger role, even if it's not right away, if they continue dealing with uh, timelines and multiverses, uh, you know, they come up with a reason to see it. But it did feel kind of like a punctuation mark uh, without getting too into the specifics for people who haven't seen Loki. Right. You do get the feeling that it's like we already have an ending for our first Loki because Thanos killed him. And then this is like that Loki that disappeared in Endgame from basically the end of the Avengers movie in the timeline. I know it starts to get confusing and convoluted, right. which is exactly what Christian's talking about. But that Loki, in theory, it, this was all we had left, even though there's, you know, once you open the door to a multiverse, everyone can come back at any time. Yep. You know, there there was a talk that in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, we were going to see uh, Tom Cruise as a Tony Stark, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I, I would I would have enjoyed that, <laughs> you know, would have been fine. I, I like I like I like gimmick casting. Sure. But uh, yeah, so the the future uh, is very clouded, and we'll sort of talk about that when we're we're done talking about the movie. But uh, Andy, I wanted to kind of give you the chance that of the three of you, it feels like you're the one who liked it the most. You still didn't love it, but 
Uh, oh, and let me ask, because a lot of times I know that you see a movie with your your daughter, who I think is in her early 20s. Did you see this with her? She's 20. Yes. Okay. And did yeah. she like it? She loved it. Okay. So She loved it. And I think, you know, I think this movie was, once again, kind of geared to a younger audience. Like, you know, like you said, you could take your kids to it. I think kids in their, their young adults in their 20s would probably like it as well. Cause they're not thinking about story flow and, and stuff like that. You know, they're, they're just looking at the eye candy of everything. Um, I agree across the board. I think uh, the actress that played uh, Miss Marvel was fantastic just yeah, because I'm, she's I'm so young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, she's so young. It, this is, this is the biggest thing she's ever done. And that giddiness almost comes across it's so real because I think that's how it is for her and it's hard for her to almost contain. So it's like good that there wasn't any real hardcore dramatic scenes. Cause you'd probably look at it and go, she's just so giddy and cute. And but, she was, um, she was she, there's like that one instance where there's any peril for her, where like the hammers on her head. Yeah. And I was like, I got to see how this plays out before I decide if I'm going to take my daughter. And just to interject, <laughs> uh, you know, Amon Vellani before being cast as Ms. Marvel, was a huge fan and she'll like debate Kevin Feige on which reality the MCU is and doesn't subscribe to the concept that it's, yeah. this is super nerdy. I'm sorry, Christian, uh, but uh, that it's, it's six one six because that's the comic book uh, right. timeline. And this is clearly not. And I believe she's written a couple issues of a, of an ongoing Ms. Marvel series. So oh, I have no uh, idea. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I was informed at the comic book shop just last week that oh. uh, there was something. So I thought that was interesting. So, yeah. So it's like, yes, she's excited. And I think that a lot of people can identify with that excitement, especially when you find out like, okay, she also really likes these characters without even setting foot on a movie set or even watching the movies, you know, she really likes them, but uh, uh, finish your thought, Andy. I just wanted to sort of build yeah. that up a little bit. Dennis, we, we write things zero to 10 and uh one to 10, whatever. Dennis gave it a three. I actually gave it a six, probably a little high, maybe more five, five or five, but you know, Maybe it's because of my background in comic books and stuff. I mean, Dennis has a huge background too when it comes to reading and everything. But I didn't have a problem following like the story. I didn't think it was put together in the best way. <laughs> I and look, I thought the villain was pretty vanilla as well. Because once again, it's like, who's this person? You know, I mean, everybody that's not a Marvelite could go, who's Thanos? But they did such a great job of building him up for so many years before infinity war and Endgame, that people knew and got enough of a background with this villain. It was just like, Oh, she's a Cree that got pissed off and has a, you know, has a big vendetta against captain Marvel, you know, ruined the planet, you know, the Cree planet, whatever. One of the things I said in our video about it that just pulled me out of the movie was when they got to the planet where, Captain Marvel's a princess. That's fine. Don't care. But when they broke into song, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This just reminds me of a Disney cartoon where they just sing for no freaking reason. And I don't eat. I don't want to hear this bullshit. This is a Marvel movie. To me, it should be more intelligent to the point of, well, that's how they talk on this planet. They sing to each other, except for this dude who I'm married to because he's bilingual. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you're killing me. <laughs> I'm watching a Nickelodeon made for TV movie. 
It's, it's and, funny you say all that because uh, my friend David Brody, uh, he liked the movie. However, he hated that sequence so much. And basically everything you're saying is like, he's like, oh, come on. And uh, yeah, he, just, he specifically I, wanted to know if my eight-year-old was put off by the the singing. And I'm like, you know what? If if the popcorn bucket hadn't, hadn't still had some popcorn in it, he might have. But he was okay. I just thought it was stupid. I just thought it was stupid. Out of you know, they could have done anything with that planet. I mean, it could have just been they just talk. They're done. That was the whole point to me. Is it's like you want to make this planet different, so your way of making it different is they all sing. That's your way of making it different. So, in other words, instead of giving them a different appearance somehow that would take some spe- some makeup, practical special effects, you went the real easy way out, which is like, no, we'll just have them all sing and dance. That's easy. Yeah, but, but you're missing a big point. And that was to introduce Brie Larson slash Captain Marvel as the new Disney princess. She's got her fancy gown now because they gave Oh, her I know. One. I know. They, and yeah, she yeah. called herself a princess. So that was how they were going to do it because we have new toys to sell and a new princess. Line. Well, and technically in the MCU, there is no princess. So how do you work one in to sell that? But and then the other thing, too, was, look, I am a cat person. I like cats. I love dogs. We've had them both. But that feline thing where it was like, what are these brains all over the place? Oh, my God. They just hatched a cat. Why are we going to get all these people on the ship? Dennis and I are thinking to ourselves. I mean, literally, it's like there's a movie where the two people could hear each other and we're just talking through thoughts going, (laughs) oh, yeah, the flirting. They're just going to start eating people. They ruined one of my favorite songs, and it's from the Play Cats playing that during the roundup. And I I told my wife, we saw Cats on Broadway back in the 90s, and that is the memory I want to take to my grave. And now I've got this in my head. Did you see the the film version of Cats? No, no. So it's, uh, believe me. This movie did no damage approaching what that movie did. Uh, no, I'm that's not even a heard. fan. I'm not a particular I fan of cats, that. but I needed to see that movie. I if I went with a group of friends, we might have uh, we might have uh, snuck some adult beverages in. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I I, I, I can see. Yeah, to me it was funny just, because to me cats is it's not a work to be uh, held up to high standards. But obviously. <laughs> Uh, if if you feel that way, I can see getting annoyed. Well, I don't, you know, <laughs> it's not the greatest play out there, but I do like yeah. the song and whatever. Sure. So that scene, uh, once again, it was just another one where as soon as it was like, oh my God, there's 300 some people on this ship, but we only have this many escape pods. You just know what they're going to do, you know? And we, we I thought it was lazy. In the movie. We went, yeah, we yeah. just nodded. Yeah. We knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. It it, well, it it was it, just lazy, and I feel that that's what a lot of the MCU movies after Endgame are is kind of lazy. And back to what uh, Christian Toto said was about there's not a big cohesive plan anymore. I think they would obviously disagree, but the problem is most people don't see it. Whereas with the first, you know, up until Endgame, I always said when they did Iron Man. I really believe they went into Iron Man, not with this huge plan of Thanos or anything, but just going, let's see what happens. If the movie totally takes a dump, okay, we tried, we're done. You know, but if it does good, you know, put in the Sam Jackson after credit scene, because once again, takes a dump, doesn't matter. Does good, we can build off that. And I think after the first few movies, they were like, okay, we're building to the Avengers. 
And I think right around there in the behind the scenes production side of things, they did have this plan to go, okay, we might not have the directors in place, but we've got the actors in place. Let's end this with Endgame. Right. And now it's just like just throwing stuff at the wall, it feels like. I don't know. And I know you brought up Kang and it was supposed to be Kang. I wanted to save that conversation for later, but it's come up twice sure. now. So, no, it's important to talk about it. My thought on Kang, Jonathan Majors uh, has uh, some very serious uh, legal issues facing him, some very serious allegations. You know, the first round kind of went away, but then you're like, oh, but there's a lot more. I think if they want to tell the Kang story, they will tell it without him. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had a friend, I think it was actually David Brody, had the joke solution of just recast him with Terrence Howard. You know, this is a, a being that uh, exists in multiple realities. You either explain it, or by the way, you don't. Um, the idea that they would replace Kang with Dr. Doom is only coming, I think, from people who don't understand Dr. Doom. You know, I don't think he's, right. I think he's a very big adversary for the Fantastic Four. Maybe he could even get some people together, you know, do like some Masters of Evil kind of stuff. But I don't think he's a, a big enough bad for that. And the uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty is a movie that's, I don't know, slated for like 2026, which sounds crazy, but that's actually only a couple more years. Yeah, uh, and yeah. they lost their director. You know, he's probably like, yeah, can I can I do something where we know what we're doing? Because we don't know what's happening with this. I personally feel like the Kang character is still going to happen. I just don't know for sure that Jonathan Majors is uh, going to play it. Um, what just, do you guys think? Do you, do you, yeah, I think, that, that, just, I think it's such an easy solution. He hasn't been on the big screen, but what? Quantumania? It's the only time we saw him on the big screen. Yeah, Right. I mean, I'm sorry. Look, Chad, when Chadwick Boseman passed away, it was awful. But that was another one. You know, I, I do remember we did a podcast after that. And if memory serves because it was so fresh, it just happened. I think I might have been like, you know what? The easy fix is just make Michael sure. B. Jordan bring oh, him B. back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. make him Black Panther. That was my initial thought. But then as time went on, you know, obviously before production and the Wakanda Forever came out, my thought changed to it's not disrespectful. Just recast him. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. It happens all the time in movies. I would just say recast, recast him. him. And then, you know, let, let if we need to give him the mask, give him the classic comic book mask that, that he can wear. You're talking so, about you know, the, the blue mask movie. that yeah. uh, we saw like a glimpse of in Quantumania. Yeah. Yeah. Christian, from yeah. sort of the, the, the real world of film production and decision making, what do you think is the most likely thing to happen? Do you feel like... Disney has proven that they are very quick to move when there's potential scandal. And by doing that, they created a a DC led by James Gunn. So uh, I think that they're trying to be like, well, you know, let's kind of let's let's go a little slower. But uh, what do you think? I mean, a Marvel movie losing a director. It's almost like it has to happen. It's like the prologue of any Marvel production is that uh, they have to go get a new director at some point. What do you think, Christian? None of us really know how deep the plans are, what the blueprint is like for the next few movies. Uh, Just based on what we've seen over the last couple of years, there may not be much of a blueprint of consequence. So I don't know, but I think the Jonathan Majors things is not going to go away. And I think the Hollywood is risk averse and I'm surprised they haven't, you know, come loose already because they, I mean, Roseanne Barr was cut loose and Gina Carano was cut loose. Hollywood is very eager to cut loose with celebrities that that, that they have an issue with. 
but they're they're hedging their bets here. I, I just don't know. I mean, I I think the Marvels collapse of the box office. I think recent trends. I think directors losing their films. I think Major's situation. I think everything is in flux right now. And I think Disney's probably running scared. But I think also Disney's knowing that Indiana Jones is collapsing. And, you know, uh, the Star Wars movies, they can't make Star Wars movies because they keep collapsing as well. A, a major player, it might have been Kevin Feige, just recently said, yeah, I'm out of that. Okay, he was going to make a movie. He's done. The Game of Thrones team, they're out. Who knows what's happening with Ryan Johnson? Maybe all pray he never makes another Star Wars movie. Well, so here, here, I, I'm I think, with you on that. <laughs> I think it's just chaos on steroids right now. I want to make a couple of quick points, though. One, they interviewed Kevin Feige. That's how you say his name, right, Feige? Yes, I, I, heard, I yeah. honestly didn't know for years. I've heard, too, I've heard it too. said with him in the room, and okay. I feel like they would make sure to get it yes. right. <laughs> I, he was interviewed on the red carpet for the Marvels, and I'll never forget this. They were, you know, he's there to pump it up to kind of get people excited. Yeah, of course, oh, and yeah. one of his quotes was literally about the movie. There's a beginning. There's a middle and there's an end. And I'm thinking, okay, he's out. So he he knows, he knows wow. this is trash and he's just, I don't know what he's doing, but also this is a comedy in a sense. And I don't think it was very funny, but I looked to movies like the Ant-Man, the first two Ant-Man movies were very funny and very right. good oh, yeah. comedies. And again, Thor Ragnarok, everyone loved that, that comedic spin on that franchise. So it can be done. It should be done. It's not, not an issue here, but this is just lazy storytelling. And this is just, Oh, a cat eats people. I mean, it takes about eight seconds to write it. I mean, I'm surprised we weren't deluged with fart jokes at this point. I mean, because they're the, right. the hackiest version. So it's just a lack of quality writing across the board. And and also the loss of key characters. I mean, if I'm Robert Downey Jr., unless the check is, uh, you know, they got to back the brain truck, as Howard Stern used to say, I would avoid yeah. this like the plague. I wouldn't go back to this franchise. He left it like an icon. Hopefully he'll yes. do all the good movies. I mean, his career has been spotty since then. Why would you even bother? It, it won't feel right. And, you know, then Iron Man's death meant nothing in this whole franchise, yeah. which hurts as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I so, agree. I just want to, sorry, I just want to get this uh, comment from the chat. Uh, Rich in the chat, just recast Kang and always show him with his helmet and the purple yeah, face yeah. for future appearances. So yeah. you can you can basically recast the actor but uh, you know, it's almost like you just use you, you get like a good voice actor to actually <laughs> give the performances because you just have a guy. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, this is this is the problem too with some of these movies when it comes to to these characters that are visual because of like a mask, right? You never saw Kang in the comics be like, "Oh, let me take this thing off." Hmm. You know, he always had it. And a part yeah. of it's like, is it is it because the actors are like? No, I want my real face shown. Or is it because the studios are like, no, we're paying this well-known actor. We got to get people in the seats to see him so his face will be shown. But it's like, well, no, to me, Kang, it, it's that mask. That's how you recognize yeah. him, you know? You know, the, the issue with Kang and as we're describing, and, and this is the real issue with this movie, along with most of the last movies, the most important thing that the heroes need to face is a worthy villain, a villain that is built right. up. This villain, and and I recognize the name, and you guys know me. I actually went and dug out the first appearance of Darben, so I knew I'd have it because this was during the in Infinity uh, crossover, nope. and uh, so I had to look at it because I knew it was all part of the Infinity Gauntlet crossover stuff. So these are two generals that in the universe, they were both generals. 
And later on, they become the co-leaders. And then when Deathbird comes in, she winds up killing them, you know, both off. And they eventually get sucked into the Supreme Intelligence. So the one in the movie has zero bearing to this what, what whatsoever. And okay, they're they're using a name and but there's nothing else to it. So how are they going to build this character up? What is this villain's motivations and plot? Oh, my my world was destroyed, even though we're all standing here and it needs air, water, and 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 light and, and, and sun. So we're gonna space balls it. And you know, I, I when they're gonna suck all the air out the top, and I even said in the in the show, I'm like, oh. Mega May just went from suck to blow. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I cared so little about Darben. There was no motivation. Where did she get Ronan's hammer? Because she was well, just uh, a Marvel. And suddenly she's an accuser, you're assuming, because she's got the hammer, which was destroyed, but it's back now with the same glow that well, it had from I, I did think it was interesting that basically she comes off as Ronan, you know, who of course is in the first guardians played by Lee Pace. Right. It's like, Oh, it's Ronan's little sister, you know, like found his hammer and decided to play yeah. dress up. Well, and that's what everybody uh, I think that the, the yeah. only thing I liked about her backstory is that you see, Captain Marvel literally drop a bunch of bricks on her head. I'm like, all right, at least, at least that's why she's pissed. There's all the other stuff, but it's right. really like, bitch, drop some bricks on me. <laughs> Thank God they did that scene because if they didn't, there would have been nothing for like <laughs> why she's hell bent against Captain Marvel. The other thing I want to know if, if you two guys noticed, because Dennis and I talked about this at the end of the movie and it still is just baffling to me. Is you see Kamala Khan, you know, Miss Marvel with both the Nega bands on. And then at the end of the movie, she only has one. You never find out what happened to the other one. It's uh, never there's, said. There's a few moments that feel like they are definitely the result of uh, some very liberal the, editing. Uh, yeah, right. I think that. And then also what you were talking about earlier with like the the explanation of like, why are all these hatching brains on the ship? I don't know. Let's just uh, let's just put these two on it. I'm like, I feel like these things were addressed and were answered. I do wonder why Kamala doesn't have the other band because we yeah. saw her with it. And look, you just need to explain it. A lot of times you just need you don't need a great explanation. You just need a comic book worthy explanation, you know. But I, I thought one of the she, problems with the film is that it was a lot of explaining. If yeah, we do right, this, right. Then we get that. If we do that, then it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, that's just. And, and 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 to Christian's point, I think that's exactly why it's not in there. Maybe it's like if she wears both of them, there's too much like energy coursing through her. She's not used to it. You should explain it. But to Christian's point, they're like, there's plenty of times, you know. I think the the distinction I think for some people between Star Trek and Star Wars is that Star Trek will always explain. And part of it was because it, most of, you know, 800 hours is like on a TV budget and they kind of have to explain it because they're not going to really be able to show it to you. But it's like, not everybody wants it to be explained. Um, but I, I had the same thought. And, uh, you know, until uh, we had talked about this for a couple of times, I thought Kamala's family was moving into the house in Louisiana. But then it's like, well, I think Carol's moving in there. And I'm like, oh, so they're just I know helping. I thought that but too. didn't they crash thought, in New York? So I thought yeah. they were moving into the house too right. as a hey, take this because we That's ruined your what house. I thought. So 
<laughs> we don't get real good answers uh, on that. Um, Christian, I want to know, we've sort of talked about the biggest problems. You know, we've talked so- about some specific sequences. Was it an overall feeling or was there a moment where you were just like, all right, there's no coming back from this? Or was it just sort of overall, it was like, and eh, this doesn't really work for me. I mean, I think when you're into the movie to a certain point, I feel this way about a lot of movies where I, I kind of give up. Like, I have hope. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm giving them a chance. And then when you see enough scenes back to back to back, you think this is not going to be a good movie. So I, I don't know what exactly that moment was. I'm sure it was. Yeah. If it wasn't during the sing song scene, I don't know what it was. But. A movie that I invoked earlier, uh, I think the Matt Reeves, the Batman, you know, most movies, we all know most movies have a three act structure, but it was when the fourth act started in the Batman. <laughs> I'm like, what the, how? I knew the movie was three hours and I still couldn't believe they were like, and you could you tell. Just, but the thing is, you could like, you know, most people, once again, my daughter couldn't tell, but you're right. In the Batman, you're like, okay, third, fourth act. What's happening? <laughs> it's like, is what this is this new story that we're starting? <laughs> we're at like right. two hours and 35 minutes. Let's go home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Save it yeah. for the next movie. One of the things I wanted to make sure to talk about, and it sort of touches on this notion of uh, Jonathan Majors. Obviously, for a lot of people, uh, Brie Larson is a, a very divisive person not so much because you know, people don't like her performances it's fine i always like to use the example that uh musically i i would say michael stipe of rem is an incredibly talented musician but if i ever see him talking i hate him so much it makes me like his music less uh you know there was like an mtv awards where he wore 12 shirts because he thought he was going to win all 12 awards uh you know just little things like that and you know yes this goes back like 35 years <laughs> but no but uh, i know what you're talking about it's yeah. it's her off-screen personality yeah. i was telling dennis last night that Everybody loves Michael Jordan. I haven't talked to anybody that's like, oh, I can't stand that guy. It's Michael Jordan. He's great. Not only is a basketball player, but he's, you know, maybe Scotty Pippen, but yeah, other than that. But well, maybe him. But <laughs> in comparison, LeBron James, yeah, it's like Uh-oh. if you never heard him run his mouth off the court on stuff that it's like, what are you talking about? You'd probably feel the same way. But he just yeah, puts but, his foot in his LeBron mouth. LeBron so James, many times. when he's when he's on the court, makes you forget about him as a person. Because he's so right. good. And you right. know, like Sean Penn has been this divisive guy for decades now. Yeah. He's a great actor. So when he's on screen, yeah. you're locked in and you're not thinking about all his word salad speeches. But I don't think right. that Brie Larson in this series can no. make you forget about her being sort right. of full of herself and fighting for equality and all these causes that she pursues. Because when she's right. on screen, she's blank and she's dull. So all you can think of is that off-screen Brie Brie Larson. So that's the problem. Right. LeBron James, he's really smart because he's always reading a book. (laughs) Oh, oh, maybe it's upside down, but that doesn't matter. He's still reading it. Look, it's important. No, that's more important to be seen with a book than to actually read the book. I I agree with that. I think a great uh, actor, you know, look, I mentioned him before. When I went to see the most recent Mission Impossible movie with my friend Eric, we were making jokes before it started. Like, uh, I wonder if Ethan Hunt is going to be tasked with finding David Miscavige's missing wife. We were making jokes about his. And 20 minutes into the movie, I didn't even think about any of that because that son of a bitch always makes me forget how crazy he yeah. is. He makes me forget <laughs> about him jumping up on Oprah's couch, talking about how much he yeah. loves Joey Potter from Dawson's Creek. I don't remember any of that stuff because he's so good. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate because, look, there's probably people that, uh, you know, that uh, the reverse happens to. You know, the fact that uh, 
that literally like Ted Nugent will never be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, despite the fact that he's, you know, one of the greatest guitar players of at least the 70s. You know, you don't even need to look at anything else. You don't even need to talk about damn Yankees, you know, but it's like I think even before he was so political, it's like, oh, he's a hunter. It was like already like, right. Right, we're going to go ahead and close that door. You know, so right. for some people, it's so hard to separate it. And I think Brie Larson's one of those people. I, I There are definitely people who love her. And um, I think she definitely in this movie finds the character better than she did in the first yeah. one. Uh, no, she does. I don't know if it's a, if it's enough for people, you know, who are just like, I, I think there's people she's just never going to win over. Christian, is there something like, did you, did you like her in, uh, in room or is there something that you were like, okay, she was good in does, is there a performance of hers that stands out? It's like, okay, at least there's that. I, I liked her in Scott Pilgrim, but it was a small part a room, obviously, but also there was a movie, it was called 12 something. And I think it was about sort of a rehab center and it was maybe an ensemble cast. And I think she was in that. And she was solid there. Here's a quiz for everyone in this conversation. Quick, describe Carol Danvers and or Captain Marvel. I couldn't do it. If you said yeah. describe Ms. Marvel, well, she's a teenager. She's from New Jersey. Yeah. She's close with her family. She has this aw shuck spirit. She wants to do the right thing. She's in awe of Captain Marvel. I could go on and on describe her or even uh, was it uh, Captain Lambeau? I don't know the title. Yeah, Monica. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, they didn't give her her superhero describe name. Describe her. When, yeah. when I started reading describe comics, her. she was Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah, no, no, they don't do a great oh. job. It's like, yeah, exactly. She's she's like, capable. She seems like a nice person. You know, her early part when she was the kid, they they tried addressing that anti anti uh, Carol and stuff mm. like that. Carol Danvers looks no different with all these years that have passed than than what. So if you describe her, she doesn't look any different. She did from her own movie from the seventies. She doesn't look any different than what she did now other than a slight costume change. So, you know, she's not aged at all. She hasn't. Yeah, done, but that does from a geeky superhero stuff, right? I mean, yeah. like, right. From a geeky comic book standpoint. Yeah. Like Christian what, said, I just take that too. When yeah. she got enhanced with the Cree stuff. Yeah, I just feel like that's her real super. That's her real yeah. superpower. When you figure that narratively, the character of Carol, Carol Danvers is like 60. You know, the same age Annette Benning was in the, in the first one. And you're like, and she looks like that. All right. You know what? It doesn't matter what else she can do. If she can reignite a son, you know, right. How does she have such nice skin? We can, uh, we can, we can uh, circle back on some of the movie stuff, but uh, Andy, I definitely wanted to talk about, there's sort of the, the two end credit sequences. The one that's actually before the credits, which uh, mm -hmm. I think was a nice spoof of the uh, of the Nick Fury in the early mm -hmm. phase one going around. I thought uh, Mon Volani, I like uh, Kate Bishop. Uh, sorry, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. I mm -hmm. thought that mm -hmm. uh, I didn't love the Hawkeye TV series, but I thought she was good. I, I'm like, I, I know that's an established character. I'm fine with that. She's kind of the star of the only good uh, live action Transformers movie. So I'm mm -hmm. fine with all that. I liked her interaction. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say though, isn't it Christian? Is is there really any good? I, I just don't, no, when, it comes to Transformers, when, it, when it comes to Transformers movie, I'm like, there's one good one. It was the animated one from 1986. That's it. <laughs> but if you have to put one of the live action ones, Bumblebee, I thought was the best one. Bumblebee um, was good. I thought that was fun. I love their interaction. I've said it before. I like when she's like, you didn't think you're the only kid superhero. And she's like, I'm 22. I just thought it, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I like their dynamic. I really liked her dynamic with uh, Yelena, with uh, Florence Pugh in the Hawkeye series. You know, I really thought, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm like, I like how she plays with these other characters as presumably that's someone that we'll see them all with. Uh, so I'm all right with that. Uh, but Christian, do you roll your eyes when it's like, oh my God, they're setting up more stuff. 
you know, like, like just end this movie. Don't worry about the next thing. Well, I mean, back in the day, meaning like three or four years ago, those post credit scenes were fun. They were exciting. Yeah. They teased something that would definitely, they would, they would build upon. It wasn't just a one-off. Now you just see these things, you know, what's going to happen? Did they care about this? Is this going to even be a thread that we need to follow? Uh, so I don't care anymore. It doesn't, doesn't interest me. I feel like this is how I feel about Star Wars, where I loved it my entire life and I'm done with it. Like they've, they've, they've short-circuited my fan uh, wiring and I don't care. Oh, there's a new movie coming out. Oh, there's a new Star Wars TV show. Well, I just don't care. And when these movies would start and that Marvel image would come on the screen with the flapping comic book pages, I got excited. Like that was like my cue. It was like a Pavlov's dog. I'm going to get a treat. But now I don't care. And now with the post post credit scenes, I don't care either. And they're going to do more multiverse and they're bringing characters back. We thought she was dead, but she's not dead. I'm yeah. exhausted, okay? <laughs> and this multiverse thing has been an absolute poison pill for this entire universe because they did it right once with the Spider-Man films and they got high on yeah. off the drug. And it's just a terrible thing. It just, it, it requires extreme discipline and great storytelling. And none of this is present in these movies. As we were talking yesterday, uh, I, it, it dawned on me, I, I, I talked myself into this, that uh, we should all be uh, envious of the Carol Danvers character who basically disappeared from earth. And I think it's 1996 because she never saw the prequel trilogy. She never saw the sequel trilogy. She doesn't know. Right. She just thinks that it ended with the return of the Jedi. Uh -huh. And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a per that's where, that's where it ends. That's the Star end of the Star Wars was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. She still thinks it's amazing. Yeah, it's exactly. There should be a scene where Nick Fury's like, you know, now that you're back, you should catch up. And she goes, what are you talking about? There are only three movies and they were fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And he's and He's like, you know what? Come, he's like, come to think of it. Yeah, you know what? You don't need to. Care. Never mind. Yeah. What's a Jar Jar Binks? I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, especially for uh, comic book nerds, the actual mid credit scene was the thing that uh, I, I tried to, I hoped that people didn't have spoiled for them. Uh, because of the reveal, not a surprise that Monica Rambo is still alive. I honestly thought we were going to get the that she was going to wake up in like the Baxter building and the Fantastic Four. You know, we're going to see some sign of that, yeah, whether something. we had any cast members. Maybe we just saw the four. I actually thought it was going to be that. But then they went up to it and decided like, hey, remember the X-Men? Hey, remember? Uh, remember Kelsey Grammer? Uh, well, just listen to his voice. Don't look too closely because. Right. Um, uh, other people have theorized that it's like, wait, did the uh, did the the VFX guild go on strike already, and uh, they just uh, didn't tell anyone? It was a little dicey, uh, which is too bad because I I love the blue Hank McCoy. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I've never been interested in any other iteration of him. I you know I don't I don't need to see him not with the blue fur. That notwithstanding, it's still one of the cooler reveals. It was it, it, at least for me. I was like. I was not expecting it, but um, let me ask you first, uh, Dennis, because of uh, how much you uh, disliked the film itself. What did you think when we we see uh, poorly rendered <laughs> Hank McCoy with the? But by the way, with the masterful voice of Kelsey Grammer, you know, I mean that right, they right. nailed that part. They could have they could have had a voice by Nicholas Holt. And then we would have been like, why does he sound like that? Whose voice is that? I don't know. And then you have to look it up and you're like, oh, right, that guy. So it was smart to use uh, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't Kelsey Grammer, it was Sideshow Bob. We got that mixed up. You know what? You're, no, you're <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, and, and oddly enough, in the next movie, it'll be Sideshow Mel. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Um, so two things with it. One, um, highlight of the movie, um, even with crap. And, and, and when I, when I saw him and I heard the voice and I was like, oh, and then he adjusts his glasses and then I'm looking at how bad it looks. And I, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> Kevin Feige calling, Hey Bob. Yeah. Kelsey Grammer's on the other line. We need to get him over. Okay. Oh, he, no, no, he's not going to put on makeup. Oh, hmm. You got your iPad Pro in front of you? Yeah. Well, just digitize them and throw them up there. It's fine. He'll just voice over over the phone. Holds up the phone. They voice it over. He takes his iPad Pro, and there it is. That's what we got. That was the quality of what we got in, in the end. However, it was still the best part of the movie. That being said, so, you know, CG-wise, because I was hit or miss on that throughout it, I did enjoy it, and with me being a huge X-Men fan, I need to go. Uh, Charles needs an update, and he goes yeah. walking off, and I'm like, "Hmm, which version of Charles? When is this going to be?" Because yeah. Hank's been there from the very beginning, and we know he's blue, so we kind of know roughly time wise. But you know where in this is going to go, and then right. the binary, Can, the binary yeah. costume looked good, but it's the yeah. wrong person. Which uh, okay, I, I see what they're doing, but anyway, I still didn't mind it. I I was happy. I'm like, oh. At least it's ending on a relatively positive note. I Thank was you. always a fan of the uh, the binary version of uh, Carol Danvers, which yeah. is yeah. basically the power set that they give to Captain Marvel, not just in the movies, you know, like the Captain Marvel version of her, no longer Ms. Marvel or whatever. Uh, yeah. That That's basically who she is. So that was exciting. And, and I mentioned in an earlier conversation that, there was such a big reaction to the scene. I didn't hear him call her binary the first time I saw it. So I, I literally missed that part of it. And I was like, no. And then you see the suit and you're like, all right, that's kind of a cool thing. What did you think about that, uh, Andy? Sort of getting the, uh, oh, wait, there's at least some kind of plan for X-Men stuff sooner than we thought. Well, one, I actually don't think, or I agree with what Christian said about the after credit scenes. They really did. For the first phase, every after credit scene dealt with, basically it was a preview of the next movie, right. you know? So you were like, oh shit, in three months, this continued? Awesome. It was now like a visual after- version of, you know, James Bond will return in October right. or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like when your after credits was just like, you know, Agent Coulson sees this hammer in the desert. It's like very yeah. simple, but like, oh shit, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So now we get, and before the before this one, let me just touch on the, the first one the where there's Avengers one setting up Young yeah, Avengers. Yeah. And my big question is the MCU, whoever's running it, Kevin Feige, whatever, I don't think they know or have the pulse of what they're trying to make stuff for. There is not a hunger, I don't think, for a Younger Avengers movie. If they want to make it for TV only, that would probably be their best bet. Because the thing is, they can do this Young Avengers movie and they can go, but no, that's just it. It's for teenagers. It's for the younger, you know, kids, uh, the age of yours and stuff. Right. But here's the thing. Who takes them to the movies? The parents do. And yeah. you want them to want to go with them. Well, we wanted to go to Endgame. We wanted to go to all those other movies. And so did the kids because it's superheroes. Young Avengers. I don't know if this was real or somebody just mocked it up. But on Twitter, X, whatever, I saw made up i assume it was a made up movie poster I, I of young avengers it. right yeah, yeah. It, it is and i'm looking up, at that yeah. going i have no interest in seeing that i 
I I think it would actually be a very good Disney Plus limited series, not recurring like multiple season series, yeah. but you know, the the way that the the idea of Secret Invasion before they actually did it. Like, yeah, just do a one-off six episodes and then yeah. those characters could turn up in movies, but have like a, you know, a long not long, but you know, six episodes. I, I think that works. I think you need to put more movie stars in it. You know, Haley Steinfeld, Florence Pugh, that's a start. But you, you have start, to yeah. you have to go bigger. You know, it's like, who can you get Jennifer Lawrence to play when she's already been mystique? You know, so right. I don't know what the answer is. And she's the, the not problem. Is well, but they already have more cast. You look at that, yeah, yeah, that no, faux movie poster and yeah. it's like, well, these are all the actors that have already. But getting Where to we, the binary, oh, yeah. the, the X-Men thing. It's, so unfortunately, before we saw it, I saw a screen grab of the actress in the binary suit just standing there, that reveal. And I was like, oh, damn it. Yeah. But um, I think it would have been better if when Monica Rambeau woke up, if it was Carol sitting there because she would have been like, oh, she she thinks she's back on Earth and stuff. Right. And then it's almost like, what are you wearing? And then you see Hank, and you realize, holy crap, it's a different world. It's still Carol, Carol Danvers is binary, not the oh, let's bring her mother in and fake everybody out that way. And then, yeah, the beast thing. But I don't know what the plan is for the X-Men. I yeah. honestly don't have enough faith to say that they have one. Because like I, like I pointed out earlier, every post credit scene before was leading to a, the next movie. And you knew when it was coming out, even if it yeah. was a year later. Now you're like, oh, cool. I guess they're doing something with the X-Men. I don't know when. Don't they often say... Uh, they give the dates, like we talked about how Kang is going to be 2026 now, but it was 2025. Have they mentioned any dates about a possible X-Men movie? I don't think they have. No, I mean, we're talking years and years from now. Yeah. yeah. The WGA and SAG After Strikes already pushed the next Captain America, the the uh, Sam Wilson. All next year is pushed. That's, yeah, yeah. So the, I think the only thing we'll get next year is, is Deadpool 3. So, so uh, But they just yeah. teased the movie that's not going to be seen for yeah. four, five, six years. That. That's, that's my point. I, I, that's I do wonder if, if yes, maybe it's sooner than we think, but Christian at the very least three years, but I, I don't think that's I realistic. say, yeah, I say at the very yeah. least you're looking at yeah. three years, yeah. same thing with young Avengers though. And they probably did put a date out for that already, but there's no way it's before 2026. No, I just no, can't I know. see and, it. Yeah. And I, I think that, uh, that's definitely a little bit of window dressing because I, I would love to know when that, and credit scene was actually put together. Yeah. Uh, and, and, week. And look, and look, I was gonna say it looks yeah. like quickly. It looks like quickly <laughs> uh, because the Kamala Khan Kate Bishop scene that could have been an in middle mid credit scene because it's setting up something. But then it's right. like, well, we've got a bigger one. Uh, so you know, a little bit buzzier, a little bit uh, spoiler worthy, all that. But yeah, look, it's uh I, I I enjoy a lot of the content, but when I don't like it, uh, I am always very upfront like I was with Secret Invasion. Every week, I couldn't believe I'd had to watch another episode of that show, <laughs> you know? Uh, but there I was. They, they and, call that the She-Hulk syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> She-Hulk had well, that, an episode with Daredevil. But I not know, to I go know. off the rails with, with Secret Invasion, but man, the fight in the last episode where the, the actress from uh, Game of Thrones, whatever, 
Amelia Clark. Yeah. Yeah. Amelia Clark. How can you tell the audience she doesn't want to be totally CGI'd? Just make parts of her body. When the other guy she's fighting is like full blown CGI. Like, the actor's like, yeah, you're not going to be recognizable. But she, by, oh no, she has and, to be. And by the way, in the chat, Cam Egan, <laughs> wait a second. Secret invasion happened? No. Cam Egan, it clearly didn't because they would have mentioned it in this movie. Right. Uh, so they ignored it. Yeah, look, Amelia Clark is someone that uh, uh, I know people who are fans of Game of Thrones, uh, which I, I'm always up front. I've never seen it. I'm just not interested. But Neither what I. I know her as is the franchise destroyer because she's yeah. in Solo. So she killed Star Wars. Yep. <laughs> she's in Terminator Genesis. And look, they've killed Terminator a few different times, but she's responsible for one of them. And then she's in Secret Invasion. So it's like, yeah, you probably got to stop bringing her into your franchise. Uh, she's you know? the Ted yeah. McGinley of the modern age. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Plus, plus her comic Which, book mom was a great hit. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the oh, way, God. Ted McGinley, uh, fantastic on Bill Lawrence's Apple TV Plus show, Shrinking. He's uh, oh. Krista Miller's husband. It's funny to think about Ted McGinley because I knew that's what we were going to be talking about. Because you mentioned it, Shrinking is a really good show. Yeah, I like that show. And and you're right. At first, I was like, is that who I think it is? <laughs> but the thing about Ted McGinley, by the way, he's on like five or six seasons of Married with Children. Yes. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, and it's like they're two different shows. There's like there's like Married with Children with Steve, and there's Married with Children with Jefferson. I like both of those shows, but uh, anyway, when do we get Ted McGinley in the MCU? That's the real question, because right. I'm ready. I don't know who he should be. Instead of Harrison Ford, he should have been Thunderbolt Ross. You know, <laughs> maybe he, he should be here. Here's a lead in for you. If you're ready for it, maybe he should be Mister Fantastic. Uh, well, I'm glad that you brought that up because that is our <laughs> final point. It, it's just rumored by Deadline, although they, right? I don't know, Christian. You think it's fair to say Deadline is the place for intentionally leaked rumors that uh, sometimes they know it's true, other times it's like let's float this by uh, the Deadline audience and see what they think. You know, do you I, feel I, like uh, they they've kind of got some back channel uh, information, some informants? They definitely do. I don't think that's a bad theory at all. So yeah. uh, I think it'll happen. I, I think it's a good choice. I mean, well, we're talking really... about Pedro Pascal, yes, who of course yeah. is uh, the Mandalorian, uh, Last of Us. Uh, unfortunately, in Wonder Woman '84, I'm not going to hold that oh. against him. Yeah. <laughs> no. By the way, still, should, but... still, still the worst superhero movie I saw because I had higher expectations for that than I did for Elektra. That's or, fair. You know, yeah. Uh, but I anyway. think he's a good actor. I think he knows <laughs> pop culture material, so I think he'll fit in well. And if you haven't seen the Nicolas Cage movie, it was the unbearable genius of massive, whatever, the, the, the crazy yeah. town. He's wildly funny and, and just engaging in that project. So he's mm -hmm. got range. Uh, he knows pop culture stuff. I think he, I think he's a good fit. Yeah, no, and I think that uh, however you put the cast together uh, for the Fantastic Four, uh, I think that the chemistry of the last iteration of Fantastic Four, which I think a lot of people forget about, is the one with Miles, Te Miles Teller, uh, Kate Mara, and uh, Michael, Michael B. Jordan, B. Jordan as Johnny Storm. And I think if you want to cast Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm, you're absolutely within your rights. Just have his sister also be African-American. And yeah, then yeah. nobody has right. to look at it and go like, wait, what? How's that yeah. her brother? Oh, they're adopted? Okay. Why did yeah. you, you know, just be consistent. Right. That's all. I don't care. I don't care. Right. You know, when you do gender swap, waste, race swap, just have it make sense. I did not like the Aaron Taylor Johnson version of Quicksilver, but at least he looked like he could have been her brother. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and if you see that Godzilla movie, also could have been her husband. But anyway, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I I know we uh, we touched on a bunch of other stuff, but uh, this was a fun conversation. As long as you can tell me why you don't like something, I'm interested in it mm-hmm. because you know somebody's yeah. like, "Well, it just sucks." I'm like, okay. And by the way, just because somebody doesn't like a movie it doesn't mean they're racist or sexist it just means they didn't like a movie you know oh it doesn't mean and honestly uh, yeah that's right you bigot damn it um (laughs) and i didn't know i was going to be on a show like this Yeah, Um, i gotta go (laughs) i gotta go no real quick with pedro pascal i don't i i know he gets heat i don't hate him as an actor you know uh i like him i think the image floating around of him and then you know they show you know a, a drawing or art of mr fantastic you know it's kind of like when michael keaton was cast as batman nobody was on that on that ride and then they saw the movie it all comes down to hair and makeup you don't look at Pe- at least i don't look at pedro and go whoa that guy's so latino he could never play this or whatever you know background you know yeah it's not it's he not eric Estrada. You know, I right. mean, uh, I think do a that, great would be, job. that would be poor choice uh, in casting, yeah. even in the 70s. Yeah. Eric Estrada as Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, I don't think it works. <laughs> but you give him the great temples and stuff. And, yeah. you know, maybe, I don't know, lose 10, 15 pounds because it's not like Mr. Fantastic is supposed to be a big dude or anything. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll reserve judgment. I've seen a lot of my buddies in the comic book industry on, on Twitter just blowing up like, what the hell? They've lost it, you know, and I'm just kind of like. Uh, you know, I can I can joke around on you know on there and be like, yeah, what are they thinking? But honestly, who knows? You know, yeah. I'll wait till I see more. And also, <laughs> you know, I love Miles Teller. I think he's a very good actor. He was too young for that. I mean, maybe they're going yeah. for young, but yeah, Reed Richards no. has a little bit of gravitas to him. That's kind of who he is. So yeah, well, no, yeah, I, with I mean, that Fantastic Four movie, I think they were going with uh, more of the Ultimate Fantastic Four from okay. the comics, which was. Uh, you know, early 20s type for everybody. But yeah. if they're going with classic Fantastic Four, I honestly, Pedro, I think if anything could be on the older side, you know, I would think it might be because what is Pedro 45 at least? Probably I mean, I could see Mr. Fantastic being late 30s, yeah. right around 40. Because that was my first gut hearing it. And seeing the picture going, I don't know, I think he's a little too old. He's 48. And, uh, you know, if you take into consideration, yep, we're going to do some nerd math right now. The Fantastic Four published in 1961. And in that iteration, Reed and Ben had been in the war together. So, yeah, he was probably, you know, like late 30s, give or take, maybe even mid 30s. So, yeah, I think it is a little bit older, but I think it works uh, for that reason. And yes, to refer to the uh, the current or the most recent as of now Fantastic Four film, uh, Miles Teller and Kate Mara could not have had any less chemistry. Kate Mara had better oh, chemistry yeah. with Kevin Spacey, even when he pushed her onto the subway tracks. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> spoiler, by the Miles way. Star. You know, at yep. least give us the Reed Richards with the sideburns. Yeah. I want a little. That's all I need. Sideburns, right? You know, it would be. We, we will see what they do. I, I mean, I, I'll wait till they actually start filming it and, yeah. and they come out. Well, and, and when you find who they cast for the other three, because that is yeah. so key. You've yeah. got to cast the right people. Jessica Alba, Jessica Alba. Come on. Oh, yeah. I, I, Bring her I, back. Honestly, I would, lo- I would love Michael Chiklis to be back as the thing. I mean I, that. I, that is I like Michael Chiklis. Yeah. Yeah. 
I actually liked the chemistry in that initial group. The initial you know, group was fine. Yeah, uh, I, I I enjoyed it. It was the story that was a bit lackluster, but uh, them as a cast, I didn't have a problem with any of them. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going gray, but it's kind of like sprinkled in my head. I'm thinking, can I go read Richard's gray? Get the right. thing going here, and then have yeah. it spread. It's amazing. It's, you know, when I just uh, want hair. So you guys complaining about gray. <laughs> oh, I just want some gray. I just would like the full head of hair. Yeah. Oh, Andy's just... like, I've got plenty of gray. It's just not on my I've head. got the gray. If this gray was all up here, I'd be fine being a silver fox. <laughs> Who would have so. guessed uh, in, I believe it was 1994, when I spent $20 to buy a VHS bootleg of the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, that that would actually still be the best Fantastic Four movie. Wow. Ever again, wow. Ever uh, wow. Yeah. By the way, I did the same thing it was a bootleg vhs tape in a black and white case at a convention 20 bucks i also bought the star wars christmas special the same day i i honestly i spent 40 dollars on vhs i don't know i may have never made a better purchase at a convention in my life gentlemen i really appreciate you especially staying longer i'm glad we can have a a, a talk about differing opinions on a movie and look at this no Nobody slammed their microphone down. Uh, you know, Andy, you came close, but uh, you ultimately calmed down. But uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Christian, I, I want to be able to uh, let everybody know where they can find you, uh, your podcast and your website, other than, of course, in February or March when we do our uh, Oscars right. reaction show on the Blackcast. Well, my website is hollywoodintoto.com because when you have a goofy name, you got to Put it to good use. And of course, my podcast is the Hollywood in Toto podcast comes out every Wednesday. And, you know, both lean to the right. But I really hope that people who aren't on the right will give it a try as well, because I'm not throwing too many sharp elbows. And I think a lot of the conversations I have are ones that people across the spectrum can enjoy. So uh, check it out. An important distinction would be, you know, you you give a little bit more attention to movies that might be overlooked. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the, the faith-based movies that make a tremendous amount of money and yeah. are hugely successful. Yeah. But at the same time, you're also not going to like, well, I'm not going to see this you know, this movie for any reason. I feel like you're, you're just a little bit, it's a wider canvas that I think uh, you tend to, to paint. What are you excited for coming out the rest of the year? Are, are you going to see the, uh, I, 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 there's a part of me that really wants to see this uh, Thanksgiving slasher movie looks terrible. So I kind of want to see it. <laughs> but what, are, what are you looking forward to the rest of the year? I'm going to assume not Aquaman too, Christian. You know, the one I'm curious about, I think I had the title right is American fiction with Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, it looks like a really funny, sharp expose on culture, on expectations of Black Americans, yeah. uh, and the, the early buzz is off the charts. So I'm very curious about that. And then otherwise, uh, maybe Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I love I love slasher movies. So. My favorite thing about the the trailer for Aquaman two because uh, you want to talk about people who make headlines for all the wrong reasons. Uh -oh. Amber Heard is in there for like half of one second. But if you watch that trailer, you would assume that Aquaman's wife is Nicole Kidman, who actually plays his mother. Oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. the, the way that they're like my family and they show and it's like, is it, isn't he married? No, 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 no. Just, just, no, no, just no. focus on this. I, I don't know. Dennis and Andy, <laughs> please uh, let everybody know uh, where they can find your show. So the Dennis and Andy show, you can just search that on YouTube. You'll find it. No problem. And we record live every Wednesday. We have usually different guests on. Uh, yesterday's episode, we had uh, Kevin Grievous on. 
of uh, Underworld fame and stuff because he's also into comics and he has a crowdfund going right now. So we interviewed him. And uh, every Friday morning, we drop a movie review. We're actually going to go see at 4.30 today. It's A Wonderful Knife. Yeah. Have you heard of that one? Ooh, I haven't. Tell me. You, I don't, I don't want to know if you've seen it because we're seeing no. it this afternoon. Oh I literally, we were going to go see Thanksgiving. Yep. And there's only one showing tonight. And it's at a time that we can't do. So I'm scrolling through and I go, it's a wonderful knife. What the hell is that? Is, and I watched the trailer and I go, I got it, Dennis. So uh is the is, is the, the John Woo silent night coming out this weekend or does it come out later? Because that's, no, that's uh, December. I, I, all right, yeah. yeah. Isn't it? And, and, yeah, and, and I don't think we need to have the diehard style argument for that. Clearly, Silent Night is a Christmas movie because yes. I've seen the trailer. <laughs> and so is it's a wonderful knife, if you haven't guessed. Um, and it's a slasher flick, but I love those two. It's like candy. I can eat yeah. those up. And then in terms of following me, it's just, you know, at Andy Smith Art pretty much across the board on social media. And then andysmithart.com for my website to check out, you know, my comic book art. And uh, Dennis Turner, where can people find you? It's at Dinja's Comics, D-I-N-J-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. You can follow me there on YouTube. Uh, just type in The Dennis and Andy Show, or it's at Dennis Turner. And uh, yeah, I put out, um, besides all the interviews, um, I do a lot of the comic book stuff. So I put out quick flips. I just got out the new G.I. Joe uh, number one, which is actually 301. And then the uh, Larahama uh, cut they just put out. So I just got up the quick flips. I'll be doing full reviews. We do unboxings as well as the uh, guests of uh, interviews and stuff. I got uh, the unboxing of the uh, Starship Enterprise from Tomy. The great big huge die cast all one right. came in. So I've got the videos up and the full rundown of all the lights of that beautiful monstrosity and uh just check it out well uh, as always you can find me on twitter and instagram at christian dmz i know it's called x now but uh, some habits are hard to break and don't forget the show that i do tuesdays at 2 p.m eastern 11 a.m pacific who are these broadcasters that's on the who are these podcasts network uh please tune in uh i want everybody to have a happy thanksgiving both the holiday and the viewing of the slasher film over the next couple weeks <laughs> uh that's all the time we have for now and we will see you next time on the Blackcast. Thank you for listening to the Blackcast. We'll see you next time on the Bladcast.